Blog Talk Radio.
And hello, greetings, shalom. I want to welcome everyone to this brand new venture, this brand new show, this brand new opportunity that we call the Watchman of Zion. Thanks. Thank. I want to thank everybody. I see the phone lines are already uh, lit up, and we have a few people in the chat. I want to thank y'all for being early on time. And uh, I can promise y'all one thing tonight: we're going to have a very, very Enlightful spiritual journey on this blog talk network. You're listening to Brother Seth. I am one of the hosts of tonight's show. The host is going to be, uh, I think he's already on the phone line. If that's you, Brother, press one a couple of times on your phone because I have a. I want to make sure that's you. If you can just press one a couple of times, I know that's you. But anyway, we're going to be joined by another brother. I'm going to let him introduce himself to y'all as a surprise to y'all, because some of y'all don't know this brother. Actually, that won't be a surprise, because we've already told you who he is. Okay, okay, Brother Seth. All right, anyway, anyway, I want to welcome everyone to, again, another episode of Blog Talk Radio. This is, like I said, Brother Seth, and this is The Watchman of Zion. This is a brand-new show, brand-new venture. We're going to be talking about um, a lot of things. We're not just going to be sticking with one topic tonight. We're going to bounce around. I know we advertise some uh, Topics and I'll get into that in a little bit, but first I want to just uh, let him, let you guys know how much let everybody know how much I appreciate y'all stopping by, ladies and gentlemen, and um, uh, it's it's very important when we do this show that everybody be on time, and uh, I really respect those of you that made it your priority to call in exactly at eleven o'clock. I was watching the phone lines and a lot of y'all was on there before uh, eleven o'clock. So again, thank y'all, thank you, thank you. And we, this will not, uh, this show will not let you down. As y'all probably know, I'm a little bit nervous here because I'm trying to do three or four things at one time. As with anything new, you know, you got your little bugs and so had a couple of things go wrong. But nevertheless, we're on time. We're on time. And that's the blessing. Tonight is a two-hour show. Two-hour show. So those of you on the East Coast, uh, kind of feel for you. But y'all like the, y'all like stuff late in the way. You're always up. See, like that's what to the. Uh, my listeners, when I used to do the old show with the Five Smooth Stones, that's where most of the callers come from. So, and I see the phone lines. I do see a lot of uh, East Coast phone numbers, just like I uh, just like I assume. So anyway, uh, just welcome everybody: East, West, North, South, um, uh, brother Elisha. I think that's him. Brother Elisha, if that's you again, press. One on your phone. I, I can't. I don't want to open up the phone line to, to some anybody else right now. There you go. And then press it again. Press it again if that's you. Okay. All right. So we have our guest in line. I'm just going to open up the phone lines, and I want this brother to introduce himself to you. And uh, let's see. Eric, code eight one seven five eight five. Go ahead, you on the air. Good evening, everyone. Um, thank you for the opportunity again, Brother Seth. And that is L E Shua, E L Y Shua, L E Shua. Um, I'm not a stranger to most of you all. I've been on Facebook for four years. I've had a show, Israel Now, that I do with my co-host, which he actually he is the host. I am a co-host, Brother Yeshua, out of Israel Now. Uh, as Brother Seth has said, this show is promised to be one that is very informative, and I like the uh, platform that is really is kind of an open mic situation where 
you all have the opportunity to uh, voice your questions, voice your concerns, voice issues, and then literally we can just here have a roundtable talk, so to speak, to where we can just go back and forth and try to get at the root of some issues and just kind of put all the uh, superficial stuff to the side and get just right to the heart of the matter. Again, I am your co-host, Brother Ellie Shua, calling from the DFW area of Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. And again, I am delighted and again, just thank the Most High, Yahweh Shots, for an opportunity to come before the people and to share. Uh, so I appreciate you all. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, I know most of you all are faithful to Brother Seth's show, Five New Songs, which from my <clears throat> In my own opinion, I've heard a number of shows, participated in a number of shows, and I would say that at least that without a doubt, his is within the top three that I've had the opportunity to either be involved, to participate, to speak, or either just the opportunity to just partake and listen. So with that, Brother Seth, I kick it back over to you. And, folks, I just want to let everybody know this is a brand-new show. This is our first time. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go ahead and kind of you know, I like to keep stuff real. I think the realness of shows is what keep you around. And this brother and I have been knowing each other for so long, and uh, he have to excuse me for getting his name wrong. He have recently changed his name and adopted his Hebrew heritage. And uh, so the brother's name I'm not familiar with. I, I, I still have a hard time saying it. And I've been knowing him over 20 years. <laughs> but anyway, I just want to uh, congratulate him on his new name. And I want you to take this opportunity, brother, to let everybody know why you change your name and and what's behind it, because there's actually, folks, a prophecy in the scriptures, and some of you that are really uh, uh, Bible thumpers out there can uh, remind me of where it's at, but it, it definitely is scriptures talking about how in Israel coming to being again, they will begin to adapt the names of their forefathers. It's very, very scriptural that a people namely Israel, would lose their identity in, in the latter days, would return to their former identity and begin to claim these Hebrew names. So when y'all see face, Facebook people, MySpace people, YouTube brothers and sisters claiming these Hebrew names, I know what y'all thinking. Look at them trying to be Israelites, trying to be Jews. They ain't the real Jews. <laughs> so I want this brother... He has done a long journey, and in, 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 uh, like we all have been, in even discovering who he is as one of the lost tribes. And I know I'm, this is the opening in, intro. I'm going a little deep, a little fast. But I just want, since we are introducing who we are, I would think that's the first question you have, uh, those of you that are new to us, is who are y'all? Who are you? I saw your show's description, and I'm fine with that. That's why I call the show. But now, who are you? So, brother, go ahead and, and give a, everybody just a little a brief Brief, if you could, about three minutes, if, if I can do that to you, history of why you change your name, what it means, just so we'll know. Well, it'll take less than that. And, and for the most part, it's this. Brother Seth, as you know me and those who do know me, they uh, and those on Facebook, you formerly know me as Gary Ellison. That was my birth name. I had no desire, no intent, and no, um, let me say, it would say no intent to change my name, even uh, after I became aware of who we are as a people and discovered our heritage from the scriptures. So I had no objective, no desire to change my name. I'm a person who, for the most part, I stay away from faddish things. I don't like gimmicks. I don't like faddish. I don't like the superficial. 
Um, if you're a friend of mine, then you know that I'm one of the ones that I'll cut to the chase and get right to the juggler, go right to the heart of the matter. And a split second, I'm not even one that's given to a lot of small talk. One of the reasons why I have such a respect, appreciation, and even adoration for my brother Seth is that from the time that I've met Seth, which is how we actually met, is that Seth is one of the most outgoing persons that I've ever met. I don't care if you put Seth in China, if you put Seth in Africa, if you put Seth in Israel, if you put Seth in Texas, and these are all places that he has visited. He has no problem whatsoever of just striking up a conversation with people and literally just becoming a conversationist and indulging with me. I'm not that type of person. So for me, as I said, the names issue was one that for the most part I shied away from, never looked down, criticized, or belittled those who did. I honored and respect their choice to do that. And in doing so, uh, making an intent to make sure that I called them by that name. One of my uh, best friends and teachers in regards to this truth that I met through Brother Seth, his name is Brother Yeshua. Well, I had known him formerly by his other name, you know, for over a couple of years before he made that change. But in order to honor and respect what the most I was doing with him, I had to know that I had to change, I had to comply. And I called him by, by his name now. Obviously, his name is Yeshua. My reasoning for doing it is because literally that I was prompted by the Holy Spirit to do so. I actually avoided the issue, but at the time I was reading the book of Genesis, I believe it was, and I was reading about the life of Abraham. And the Most High spoke to me in regards to the promises and the covenant relationship that he had with Abraham. Well, coming one from an old life into a new life, understanding that I'm not a Gentile, that I am an Israelite, uh, who has been commissioned and given the obligation and responsibility of being a light through the dispensation of his word, <clears throat> I basically capitulated to that prompting and began to seek for a name after I understood that the name change was based upon a covenant relationship. So, um, you know, I, uh, because of the fact that I'm prophetically oriented, I saw maybe the name of Elijah. But I realized that in the process I had no control over this, that it was matters just like anything else where the Most High was going to reign in supreme, I had to submit to the process. And so the name that I selected was one that by his intent and his design that uh, was appropriate for, if more than anything, destiny. Because when you speak a person's name, you are literally speaking their name, their destiny into the ad atmosphere and literally it's like a DNA coding upon ourselves. And the more we speak it, the more it's said that eventually that person becomes that which you've spoken. That's why I come with my children. I do not allow nicknames. Uh, if I wanted them to have names, Pookie or all this and that, I would have named them that on their birth certificate. But uh, at the birth of my first child, whose name is Yeshua, Elijah Israel Ellison, I was prompted in to make sure that the name that I gave him was the one that was consistent with truth, consistent with the will of the Most High, and I had to understand that every time I speak that to him, I am literally speaking his destiny into reality. So that was my reason for the name. Let, let me let me ask you something else, brother, and I appreciate you. Now, um, everybody got that, right? Everybody got that. Now, my name, Seth, my mother named me that, and I was fortunate that it's in the Bible. So I don't, I uh, won't probably change my name. If I did anything, I'd change the last name. But uh, my first name for sure is uh, Adams and Eve. This was the name of their third son, Cain, Abel, and Seth. So that's why I kind of hold on to it because Seth is uh, Adams, uh, was Adam and Eve's third son, and you can't get no more biblical than that. So, folks, 
that's just a little bit about who we are. We'll talk a little bit more about the educational background, why we feel like we have the authority to be on here speaking into anybody's life. Because the bottom line is, who are we? And, you know, while a lot of people go and, and get these uh, institutions to authorize who they are and you're a minister because you got this paper or that paper, the truth of the matter is we should all be asking this question. When people try to tell us anything where it relates to the Bible, God, spirituality, are they or were they sent? Period. Did the Father send you? If the Father sent you, it's a very good idea, probably wise that you get man to approve of that. But if you never get man's approval, never get man's certificate, never get man's plaque, and never get man's degree, you better be for sure sent by the Father. And I can assure you of nothing else tonight, these two brothers on the phone line has had a long journey into the things we're about to discuss tonight. Speaking of that, what are we discussing tonight? Tonight... We're going to be talking about several things. Several things is on the plate for tonight, okay? Several things. And, again, those of you in the chat room, uh, if you have any questions, uh, well, I can't say again this earlier, but if you're in the chat room and you have any questions, please type your questions. I'm going to be monitoring the chat room. I'll answer your questions as I get to them. If you're on the phone lines and you have a question or comment, please press 1. One time on your phone, press 1. Make your comment. Then when you make your comment, Press 1 again and your hand will go down, all right? It's just that simple. But tonight, tonight, we are discussing something very important to uh, this brother and myself, and that is uh, this show, uh, several things we're discussing tonight. One of them is this new show called The Preachers of L.A. We're going to talk about that. That show has really got a lot of people um Either for or against it, it's, it's actually uh, the talk the talk of the town as far as around churches anyway. And then we're going to also examine this question: Why is the proof of black Jews or black Israelites ignored? There is a sweeping movement all over the world. It's not just a U.S. thing of the rise of these black, if I can use the word black, because y'all know I don't believe in black or I don't believe in so-called people as black or white. But there are these dark-skinned people claiming to be the authentic Jews. And a lot of them are not just doing this just for some fad. They are serious. Some of them have been doing it for many years before Israel became a nation. They're claiming that they are the people of the Bible. They are claiming that they wanted the lost tribes dispersed. We're going to talk about why is the church at large ignoring this group of people, this movement. Yes, we understand that what Christ came for was a spiritual revival, was a spiritual renewal. But the Father speaks very clearly throughout the scriptures that physical, natural Israel is not done away with and that he is going to do a work with them in the latter days. We're going to talk about that tonight, the brother and myself. Also, Unscriptural church doctrine that controlled the life of millions for personal gain. One, one more time. Unscriptural church doctrines that controls the life of millions for personal gains. If none of these topics get to you, I guarantee you it's going to touch you because your mama, your aunt, your dad, your uncle, your grandfather, and you and your children have been affected by erroneous 
unscriptural church doctrine that's controlling the life of millions. And yes, it's for personal gain. Okay? Just a lot of other topics we'll probably cover in solution, solution, solution. We will not end this show without talking about the solution. We're not, this is not a time. It's not, this is not a time for us to sit around and talk about the church, which is the most powerful institution on the planet, uh, which is not a time to sit around and bigger about ministers, which is the most important, uh, the people with the most important message on the planet. This is not a time to bash colors, whites, blacks. This is just young men, two men and a Bible, talking about what the Father has done for them. And through our testimonies, I guarantee you, guarantee you, you're going to be blessed. We're going to do this first. We're going to take a break. Allow a few more people to come. When we come back, we're going to start swinging. We're going to start swinging. I'm telling you all, this brother and myself have been through a lot, good and bad and indifferent, and uh, we have a lot of uh, exciting callers, I'm sure, that's going to add to this mix. You cannot miss what's about to happen, okay, uh, especially when we start talking about this new new show because you might not have seen the show, but I guarantee you what the show is about is probably what your local church is going through right now as we speak. So I'm going to take just a little bit of break, just allow a few more people to come, and we'll be right back, okay? Uh, this is Byron Cage, Byron Cage. No matter what happens, no matter what we talk about on this show, remember, if the Father is not a shield for us against all danger, we're just wasting our time. We'll be right back.
Okay, folks, we're back. We're back. I want to again thank um, everyone that has uh, showed up on time in the chat room and on the phone lines. Y'all are already here, and I really, really appreciate you. I cannot tell you thank you. I can't thank you enough. And I want y'all to know that tonight uh, you may want to take, uh, just a reminder, you may want to get a pen and, pa- pen and paper out if I can talk tonight because we're going to be giving you a lot of different resources, different places to go, different books. As a matter of fact, I want to start right now and let everybody know, when you uh, tune in to Blog Talk Radio, if you want to see hundreds of books on the kind of stuff we're talking about, uh, well, I'm not going to say hundreds, but I know it's, it's a lot, um, go to 5 Smooth Stone. You're going to do uh, blogtalkradio.com slash 5 underscore smooth underscore stone, okay? 5 underscore, the number 5. Underscore smooth underscore stones. Now, y'all need to write this down, I'm telling you, because if you will go to that link and look at the show's description, you're going to see a link to the library, my personal library on Google. And when you go to this library, it's going to talk about a lot of different things we're going to talk about tonight, and it's going to have lots of authors with a lot more facts, a lot more information on the topic. There is no way in the world we can in these two hours share everything on how we know 
that African Americans is one of the lost tribes of Israel. How do we know what's proof? How do we know who those people are in Israel, their heritage, where they're from? We just can't do it. And this show is really not about that tonight. Tonight we are exposing lies, tricks, deceptions, ignorance within our, among so-called African American or so-called Zion. Uh, we're exposing lies that have crippled uh, a people for a very long time. And by the way, this this, this message while we're aiming at Zion or African-Americans, which is a lost tribe of Israel, we also welcome every human being. This show is for you as well. I really mean that because if it's for us, it's for you because we're all of the same human family. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Brother, uh, let me see here. Make sure we can... uh, Okay. Brother Ellie Shuley, are you there? Yes, I'm still here. Okay. And you can chime in anytime you want. But, folks, uh, this show is so not just for uh, and about so-called black people. While we believe that black people are a lost tribe, not the whole Israel family, uh, because Israel has been dispersed to the four corners of the planet, and the only way you know who is a true Jew or a true Israelite is by the characteristics set forth in the Scriptures where the father said what they would go through as a people. You're supposed to look at these prophecies and see what people are living them out. And when you look at that, for sure, for sure, all hands down, African American definitely is one of those lost tribes. But we believe that there's many others. We believe that the Limba tribe in South Africa is one. We believe the Shanti tribe in West Africa is one. We believe that there's an India there in China. They're all over. The Bible calls them the great speckled bird. Unfortunately, we cannot take this show and get too deep into proving that to you. So that's why I say, please go to blogtalkradio.com slash five, the number five, underscore smooth, underscore stones. When you get there, go to the show's description. At the bottom of the show's description, you're going to see a link to a library to take you to all of these books that we have, books like the 13th Tribe. I mean, it's just I can go on and on and on naming books. The 13th Tribe is going to talk about who the people are in Israel, where they come from, their lineage. You know what? If you ever go to Israel like I've been, don't mean I'm right because I've been, but I have been many times, there are so-called Jews that will tell you that that is the totally correct information. I'm sure there's a lot of them that tell you it's not because of their pride, but a lot of them will tell you that they are indeed from the Khazars in Europe and not authentic bloodline Israel. So having said that, let's go ahead and uh, just do a few more things, and then we're going to get into this. I've got to say this. Uh, Israel now, Israel now, brother, this brother mentioned it quickly. And, uh, brother LSU, I want you to talk just, just about 30 seconds, if you can, if people want to know about your teachings and, and any information about you and what you're doing over Israel now, because what's going to happen, folks, let me tell you why this is important, what we're doing here. We're going to start talking in a minute, and we're going to get to talking and swinging and swinging, and folks are going to get to come in, and we're going to lose track of five smooth stones, what I've done to remind you all that there is over a thousand hours of audio right at your fingertips on this network if you're listening over the internet. Israel now is no exception. They have audio on the internet that you can listen to. 
uh, hours and hours and hours of us talking about who the real Jews are, talking about the Illuminati, talking about the one world government, talking about uh, spiritual warfare, uh, I mean, serious showing up, hair standing up, spiritual warfare, I mean, stuff that the average person won't believe. We got hundreds of hours talking about this, talking about the law, talking about uh, the law versus grace, and just you, just you name it, we, we've probably talked about it. So, brother, please take about if you could, uh, in a record amount of time, about 45 seconds, let them know how to get a hold of Israel Now material. Well, Israel Now, um, of course, you can go to Facebook. There's a page. The entire page is entitled Israel Now. Now it's spelled with two W's. The reason why we named that page is simply this, is that for the most part, uh, most people who talk about Israel and dealing with the issue of Israel, the information that they discuss is always that of the ancient uh, the um, the history of our forefathers, the patriarchs, and we designed that page in the name of the ministry for the simple reason is that we wanted to, in, in any way, answer the question is, what is Yahweh? What is Yahweh? However you pronounce that name, what is he doing among Israel right now? Not what he did 2,000, 3,000 years ago, but what is he doing? What is his will, his plan for Israel right now? So the page can be found on Facebook. It's called Israel Now. Also, if you go to Blog Talk, you can put in the same thing, Israel Now. Uh, the, the head host is Brother Yeshua. And if you put in that Israel Now, just like Brother Seth said in regards to five smooth stones, there are hours upon hours upon hours of teaching that literally will probably hit almost any issue or subject matter that you can think of in regards to the scripture. We deal with astronomy. We deal with the history of us as a people. Uh, we deal with prophecy, heavily into prophecy. We deal with the prophecy of, Israel, of the Mashiach in the Old Testament, reflected in the Old Testament, and then revealed and fulfilled in the New Testament. So literally we hit the spectrum from Genesis to Revelation. We've done a whole series on the book of Revelation. So, again, we can be contacted at Israel Now, Facebook page as well, Elishua, Israel Ellison on Facebook page as well, and um, Blog Talk, Israel Now, uh, Blog Talk Radio Show. And real brief, because I want to get into this topic about uh, the pastors of L.A. and the deception in the church and why the church is ignoring this whole truth about who the real Jews are, why why they shy away from it, among other stuff. So real quick, I just want to just name, I'm happening to pull up this library again. If you wrote down that address, I gave you blogtalkradio.com slash five underscore smooth underscore stones. And go to the bottom of the description. There's a link to the library. Just give you a quick, quick, quick uh uh, the title of some of the books here, uh, we deal with, uh, like, I, well, like we're talking about now, the Jews, uh, the so-called Jews over in Israel today. And here's just a few books, uh, The Jews of Khazaria, The Winds of Khazars, Khazaria Hebrew Doctrine. These are the people that those folks in Israel that call themselves Jews today, this is their lineage. And a lot of them will tell you this, I'm t- the, the ones that are really following the Most High. Uh, the World of the Khazars, the 13th tribe by Arthur Kessler, K-O-E-S-T-L-E-R, the Jews of Khazaria, chosen people from the Caucasus by Michael Bradley. I mean, on and on and on. Okay, uh, we talk about uh, evidence that uh, of, of the black, so-called black men in the uh, uh, United States, 
uh, as well as scattered parts of the world is the true Jews and how we know we don't want to be preaching racism. I promise you, if it ain't got to do with love and love and respect for all people, this brother and I ain't going to touch it, okay? But here are books that deals with that. Uh, the the Cochin tribes, uh, I can't see. Oh, here we go, here we go. The Cochin, I'll spell it, C-O-C-H-I-N tribes and caste system of India. That's very important. The 13 tribe, again, talks about who are the real Jews. Um, um, the Jew and Their Lies uh, by Martin Luther. Um, yes, Martin Luther. The Synagogue of Satan by Andrew Carrington uh, from Babylon, the Timbuktu. Y'all know that book, Rudolph Windsor, deals with it. Uh, Black Judaism by James Landing. Strangers in the Land by Eric Sunquist. The Invention of the Jewish Race by Shalomo Sand. Good, good points there. The African Origin of Modern Jewelry by Jose Malcolm. A mountain, something like that. <laughs> Facts of Facts by Benjamin Friedman. Ring Around the Roses is another book. Uh, Hindu tribes and caste systems. I'm telling you, India is full of lost tribes. Believe that. The International Jew by guess who? Henry Ford out of all the people. The Lost Tribes of Myth. We the Black Jews by Ben Doctor Doctor Ben Yakuna, one of the most reverence uh, reverent uh, authors on the planet. Uh, serious. Ella Hughley, The Truth About Biblical Jews, Hebrewism in West Africa. I can go on and on and on and on and on and bamble up. I'm in book two. There's so much proof that would have you written at the Bible different. I know what some of you are thinking. What if it's true? So what? So what if African Americans are indeed one of the lost tribes of Israel, which would be Zion? What does it have to do with my salvation? What does it have to do with my bills? What does it have to do with my relationship with God? What does it have to do with anything in 2013? Well, that's why you need to check out Brother uh, Gary's uh, Israel Now, what God is doing with Israel Now, what the Most High is doing with Israel Now. And you also need to listen on Five Smooth Stone. We have, I have shows devoted to just that question. So you got to go to that Five Smooth Stone Network and look, go through the titles and look for uh, the show that says something like that. Oh, um, it would be something like um, something. It'll stuff out, okay? But I don't want to spend any more time talking about that. I just want to give you all some sources, some references, uh, materials to go uh, go to to support a lot of the things we're talking about tonight. Now we're going to talk more about who we are where we come from and education background and this and the other as we talk. But, Brother Gary, the first topic on the page uh, uh, is this Preachers of L.A. that's got a lot of people talking. Preachers of L.A. got a lot of people talking, good and for it. Some people feel like ministers is okay. But ministers be on TV showing where they live, how God has, how the most high has possibly. You know, it's, I'll, say, I'll say God or I'll say Yahweh or I'll say Yah. Whereas brother, this brother, he might <laughs> he he would say something completely different. I'm laughing because of it. trust me, it's an inside joke. But uh, we're talking about the same Elohim, folks. Talking about the same God. Okay, we ain't talking about nothing different. We do believe in the Messiah. Yes, sir. We do believe in the Messiah. There was no J in Hebrew language. We may not say Jesus. We may say Yeshua, or Yahshua, or Yahweh Shah. But just know, yes, we believe He came. 
and uh, all the things that the New Testament, we uphold the New and the Old Testament. I'm having to say this because a lot of y'all don't know us, okay? So, uh, Brother Elishua, Preachers of L.A., first topic tonight. What's going on with that? I'm sorry. You know, I laugh when you say that because when you mention this issue about Preachers of L.A., it's a very controversial issue. Um because of the way that they conducted themselves on the show in the first episode. And let me say this at the onset whenever we're discussing this issue about the preachers of L.A. or any preachers for that matter or any theological issue. I do not believe in what you would call reactionary theology. And by reactionary theology, I mean this. You see something, you identify something that is wrong in a doctrine, in a teaching, and as a result, what you do in order to avoid that heresy or that error, you totally, totally discredit the validity of the subject matter itself. That's what I call reactionary thinking, a reactionary theology. Something akin to that is the same is the same point, but spoken in another way that's more relative to people is the is the term you heard the phrase throwing the baby out with the bath water. <clears throat> Literally when you give a child a bath get the child out of the water, and you release the bathtub, the dirty bath water down the drain. You don't take, let the child go down the drain. So likewise, if there's a truth or there's an element of truth, or if there's an issue of scripture, if there's an issue in history that is valid in truth, we don't want to discard it in an attempt not to get an error, in an attempt not to get any false teaching. We still have to hold to that which is real, that which is true, and that which is authentic. And I haven't said that this issue of the preachers of L.A., I watched both episodes. I T-voted, and I've watched it probably two or three times uh, uh, here and there since then. My concern with that show is simply this. Okay, hold, hold on a second, hold on a second. I don't think people, I've I, I got to do this, because there are some people I know that are listening, they have no clue what the Preachers of L.A. is, why that may be important to you and I and other people that have seen the show. Some people wouldn't watch the show if they saw the commercial for it. So, Again, talk about some of the things that they did on that show. Well, well, for the most part, when you look at the show, as I said, and, and this was my concern with the show, is that the show, uh, I actually even listened to interviews of the participants, which was Bishop Noel Jones, Bishop Clarence McClinton, uh, Dietrich Haddon. Uh, there were two other ministers involved. One was a white gentleman. I can't think of his name. Actually, it was three others. Uh, there's a gentleman, uh, and they're all from L.A. And one gentleman, his, his ministry for the most part was to those of the South Central part of L.A. And so what they did in the show, what they wanted to do was to highlight the life of preachers, of popular preachers, preachers of notoriety. Um, of course, two of them, as we already know, are Kelly Vanderbilt, preachers that appear on television. And so uh, the, the intent of the show was to show aspects of their life, to show their humanity, but to also show the concerns and the complications and the issues that they deal with on a day-to-day basis as men who are called to full-time ministry. The problem that I had with the show is that it became, for the most part, a grandiose display of the egotistical sensibilities of men in ministry. And for the most part, the reason why my conclusion that these men are, for the most part, to the degree and extent that they operate almost from an arrogant perspective is because 
for the most part, they're all what you would call independent ministries, uh, you know, what you call non-denominational ministries. And when you say that, for the most part, when you deal with the issue of non-denominational independent ministries, nine times out of ten, you're dealing with people who have no, no oversight to their ministry other than themselves. So you've heard the term power corrupts, all power corrupts completely. And so okay, my, let's be, let's my, talk about specifically some of the things you've seen, like, like, and, and, and folks, this is going to, this, I'm telling you right now, we're going to hit this for just a little bit, because a lot of y'all don't know what we're talking about. You know, you ain't seen the show, you don't care to see the show, and I understand you. So we're going to take this and roll over shortly into church doctrines. We're going to start talking about doctrines, things you hear in churches every single Sunday have absolutely, positively nothing to do with Scripture. We're going to talk about certain giving principles, certain things you've been hearing all your life with regards to how they do money, such such as $5 lines, $10 prayer lines, prayer cloths, being charged with prayer cloths, people uh, putting water, bringing water from the Holy Land. We're going to talk about uh, all types of different things and even healings that are fake, phony, where some of them are real. We're going to talk about stuff that has disturbed folks, driven them out of the church. So stay tuned, stay tuned. I know some of y'all don't care if this preacher of L.A. You didn't see it. It don't mean nothing to you. But trust me, we're about to talk about some doctrines. I know that they teach at your church. That's not scriptural. This is not in any way to run you from your church or run you from the most high for sure. It's, it's actually to do the opposite. We want to uh, encourage those churches that are doing the right thing, teaching the right things, and definitely encourage a closer relationship with the Father. We are a watchman of Zion. I'm Brother Seth. Uh, you hear from Brother LSU. LSU. <laughs> Say your name again, man. See? <laughs> No, you said the right, Brother Elishu, and, and in terms regarding to what actually the issues that they did, I'll say this, uh, Brother Seth, actually there are many people on the line who actually have seen this show. Many of them who didn't see it on the actual network broadcast, they actually were able to archive it through YouTube because literally on YouTube you can watch something tonight and when the show ends 20 minutes later, it's going to be on YouTube. And there were also well, promos. The reason the reason why I say a lot of people haven't seen it is because I know a lot of people I've talked to, they haven't heard of it, they haven't seen it, I told them what it's about, and they're not even interested. I'm just being honest with you. I just think right, folks right, have to right, raise up right, in the church. Listen, some people in the, in, our, in the circles. Go ahead. Hello? Oh, no. Well, go, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, the reason why I wanted to say this, let me just say this real quick. Let me give you a brief synopsis of the show. Because I'm not a person that's going to pick and pee with every little thing that went on in the show. And that's why I come literally uh, on my particular page. I ran a post probably every hour about the topics that will be discussed tonight and about the show. I even ran one post a couple of times with the heading, Preachers of L.A., and then gave the information for the show. But let me just say this because, like I said, I don't want to get into to, to nitpicking what people do and every little thing they do, because the reason why come I gave that disclosure about the issue of uh, reactionary theology, because just as soon as I know the fact that there are people on this line who when we discuss the issue of prosperity and money, I'm sorry, there are a lot of people who 
when I talk about throwing a baby out with the bathwater who have an issue with the whole subject of prosperity, regardless of what the source of the prosperity or regardless of what the resource of the income may be, they just have a problem with it. And that, my dear friends, is nothing more than a poverty mentality. It's real simple. We can do things even right here on we're on blog talk. Well, it's real simple. We don't get on blog talk for free. It costs money. It costs money to do many things, and many people, for some reason, when they become spiritually mindset, they become religious-oriented, and things like money are the things that they shy away from issues that they do not want to discuss. But yet it's ironic that probably 25 to 35% of the Bible is uses what we would consider to be economic terms to display biblical principles and spiritual principles. So what I would say in regards to the things that were nitpicky, let's here we go. Let's go with the intro. When they do the intro, let's just say they show Clarence McClinton's house. He has a very large home, a very nice home. I'm not hating on him. The problem that many have with Clarence McClinton is that Clarence McClinton has a very standoffish, above it all, elitist, arrogant persona. There was one incident, and as a matter of fact, that he was into a, almost a confrontation with Dietrich Haddon because Dietrich Haddon posed the question of the, to the preachers this, do you people have a standard honorarium in which you require when you go to speak in people's churches throughout the nation and around the world? And if so, what is it and how do you base it on? Dietrich Haddon said, the reason I'm asking you this question is because I have been told by a number of people that I need to have a standard whenever I come and visit a church and bring that ministry to that church. I, Dietrich Haddon simply said, I disagree with that. And so Clarence McClinton, and the matter of fact, they, they, they kind of like uh, panned, panned it to Clarence McClinton and the bishop, I can't, sorry, can I recall his name, whose house they were gathered at when they were having this discussion. He said, we're going to let Clarence, Brother Bishop McClinton answer that question. And Bishop McClinton said this, I have a ministry that deals with miracles, uh, deliverance, and many other things. And then for my ministry to flow proficiently, it's required that I have a staff. So that means that if you invite me, I have four people who literally travel with me in ministry. And so literally I'm not called to everywhere. Now, on that point, Dietrich Haddon was livid. He was like, why do you have to take an entourage everywhere you go if the anointing is upon you? And one point I missed is that when they showed up at this meeting, at the home, the name of the house is called the man cave. The reason why I come to the pastor called it the man cave because it was a place that he had designated where literally the fellows can can't come and hang it out and, you know, hey, you know, just, you know, either, you know, play pool, whatever, and for more than anything, just have open dialogue that men do. Well, Bishop McClinton shows up to this meeting with an entourage, a change of clothes. I mean, literally, the brother is Hollywood as a kid. Matter of fact, I think they wanted to name the show Preachers of Hollywood, but they just thought that would maybe be a little bit too ostentatious, so they toned it down and called it the Preachers of L.A. But as I said, the guy is just Hollywood is all get out and comes across very arrogant. Now, again, that is only my perception through TV, so it's not making a judgment upon him. It's making a judgment based upon what I perceive through what's been revealed through the television. And that's what is the greatest concern for many people because as ministers, we're called to be ambassadors of Christ, reconciling man unto God. We are literally representatives of the kingdom. We are not to represent ourselves. We are not to let our ego uh, eclipse the, the, the true superstar, which is the Mashiach. 
And so when you have Dietrich Haddon on the show constantly referring to himself as a gospel superstar, uh, many people took homage with that and took offense at that. And I as well didn't take offense with it, but it was kind of irritating because the fact is, is that I love, respect, honor, and submit it to the Mashiach. And anytime you want to take his place and take his glory, that causes me concern. That causes me issues. That says a lot about and, 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 the, and the and the and the um, Mashiach. Just so anybody listening, because again, I know for a fact some people don't know what you're talking about when you say Mashiach. He's talking about Messiah. Christ, simple and plain, just using right. Hebrew phrases. And what we're doing is we come into our, our own. We come into finding out who we are. We change a lot of the things we say. A lot of us won't say Jesus. We'll, I'll, I'll say it, but we know that there was no J in the Hebrew language. So y'all bear with him when he say that. But listen, let's do this real quick. Um, again, folks, we are. This show is about two watchmen, two men that have been watching Zion. Who is Zion? Zion is the people of the Most High. But tonight, in the family of Zion, those that really follow the Father those that follow the Father. We're reaching out to old natural Zion, the original Jews of the Bible, the original people of the Bible. We're reaching out to these people. We know that one of those tribes, one of those lost tribes, is for sure the African-American. No such thing as African-American. I mean, that's a name that they voted on. Everybody's from Africa. That's not our true identity. Everybody is from Africa, unless you're Martian or something. Civilization started in Africa, just like Big Gregory said, the animals never left. <laughs> you know, you can lie by history all you want, but when you start trying to uh, move millions of animals, it ain't going to happen. The animals never left. Civilization started in the motherland, and so did uh, the story of Israel. The Israelites originally came from uh, Abraham, of course, and everybody came from Africa. So, folks, tonight you got two watchmen talking about the state or the status of these people called African Americans, or better yet, tonight we're calling them Zion because we know who they are in the spirit. They are nothing more than those lost tribes of Israel, one of them. And I know some of y'all are saying, hey, I, I like your show, but I have problems with that. All I can tell you is this particular show is not really geared at uh, – well, I'll take that back. We may take about 10 minutes in a little bit and go into that just a little bit because some of y'all, you just won't be able to understand nothing we say unless you understand who Zion is. We just some two guys on the phone complaining about the church. But it's very important you know who we are as a people. Folks, I'm telling y'all, it's time we find out who we are as a people. And brother, I want to do something with you. Um, while we... I think a lot of people already got the church number. I'm going to be honest with you. This is how I feel. You tell me how you feel about this. And y'all need to know me and this brother do not agree on everything for sure. And he'll let me know and I'll let him know. So y'all got two real, real brothers on the line tonight. And, again, anybody want to comment, questions uh, on the phone lines, don't be shy. Press 1. You'd be, you're more than welcome to jump in at any time. you got questions in the chat room, type your questions. I'm, I'm looking. I'm trying to check like every five minutes and uh, see if there's any questions or comments. But if you have any questions or comments, concerns, press one on your phone and I'll see you on the phone lines. And if you're in the chat room, type your question. But Brother Elishia, uh, uh, um, I really think um, 
brother, that most people already got wind of what the church has been doing. And these pimps slash prophets, pimps slash pastors, pimps slash businessmen that's in the church. A lot of them mean well. Let's go ahead and give them the benefit of that. A lot of them do mean well. They just got to hold some bad doctrine. Everybody's not deceivers. Everybody's not wolves in sheep clothing. Um, Brother Elishua, there are some people that's just flat out deceived. They don't mean no harm. They just deceive. They just don't know. They just talk wrong. Now, I'm going to be devil's advocate, and I'm going to argue with you. We're going to play a little game here, folks, so y'all going to be a part of this. I'm going to literally talk like I used to talk prior to me coming into the knowledge, and I'm going to debate this, brother. We're going to do this about four minutes, okay, brother, four minutes. Look at my clock just to get the people to understand what the level of deception is. I'm, I'm going to talk like I used to talk back in the day when I believed that it was okay for everybody to drive a Cadillac, everybody living in million-dollar houses, everybody to, to just have so much wealth they don't know what to do with, everybody to to have so much clothes they have need, they need five clothes, everybody that I'm going to talk like that, and then I want you to be on the on the other side and challenge me. Then we're going to flip the script. I want you to do the same. And so we can pull out different truths and different lies that we both had. Is that cool? Sure. If the people want to weigh in, please, all right. by all means, do so. All right. So it's 11.58 now. So let's go to about 12.03 or 12.02. All right. Now, first of all, I'm going to come at you for saying, uh, uh, how can I say this? I believe it's God's will that we all have a mansion. After all, he said that Christ went away to prepare us a mansion. What's wrong with us having two, three million dollar mansions, every single one of us? Sure, go ahead and have it here, but you won't have it in but you won't have it in the kingdom. You won't have it in the millennium and now that we you have it when we when we, when Christ rules and reigns and, and, and the most high comes to dwell among men. Because it's real simple. He said in scripture, You got yours now. You got your reward while you're here. So go ahead, take your 70, 80 years and live it up and, and go for all that you can. You know, do do your thing. No, I'm trying I'm trying to figure out why you're knocking these ministers again, folks. I'm playing devil's advocate. I do not believe the things I'm saying anymore. I used to believe like this. So I'm going to say this to you, brother. What's wrong with the preachers of L.A. living large? The world is living large. They don't even know the Father. They're not even following the Father. What is wrong with some believers to have the very best cars? I think it's okay to have three or four cars. I think it's okay for Fair Price that has its Rolls Royce. I think it's okay for Creflo to be helicoptered from one side of the city to the other side of the city. I think it's okay for uh, Miles Monroe to have his Learjet. I think it's okay for George Myers to have a personal jet. They can get to where they're going faster because they've got a big message. Well, it's, 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 it's real simple. For some, there are certain things that are a necessity. But what we call necessity for the most part is nothing but greed. Who told you you had a worldwide ministry? Who told you you were supposed to travel all across the world and take the gospel? Everyone has an assignment. And I find it very difficult to believe that for some reason every preacher that comes out of America is supposed to be called to the world when you live in the most wicked nation on the planet of the earth. You haven't taken care of home. So why are you going to get a helicopter yeah, but you, but, and get you can travel all around the world when actually, actually that's not what you're doing? 
you're living it up, you're living large, and you're doing it at the expense of poor people who take their pennies and their dimes and their attempt to serve the Most High and send it to you, and you take it, and literally you have your $40 million G5 jet while you're flying around. Yeah, brother, Again, brother, brother, you're doing a lot of talking. Hold on, hold on, you're doing a lot of talking. Again, folks, I'm playing devil's advocate. I do not believe the things I'm saying. I used to believe this way. Okay, so I would say to this brother now, I would argue and say this to you, where is your scriptures? I got scriptures to support that it's okay for us to preach the gospel. God told us to go throughout the whole world and, and preach the gospel all throughout the whole planet. He told us that, 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 that he was made poor, that we may become rich. So what is wrong with us being wealthy? And, 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 and don't, you, don't you get tired of seeing all of these wicked people in Hollywood with all this money flaunting in our face and our people struggling? Our people can't build churches. They can't build nice schools. They can't build nice neighborhoods. You sound crazy, brother. What do you mean? You, we're supposed to be poor? No. We could build some of everything. If you start spending $40 million on jets, four or $5,000 suits, you're walking around with eight, nine, ten thousand dollars $10,000 shoes, and the problem is, guess what? If you're doing that because you are a good entrepreneur and these are the fruits of your labor, all power to you. I don't preach poverty. I believe in prosperity. But when you're doing it at the expense of people and whom you are called to minister to to serve, then there's a problem with that. And you can't find me in the scripture that goes against that. And like I said, if you spend $40 million on a jet, you can spend $40 million and take one community and invest in that community and then what you can do is you can do discipleship, reproduce who you are, what Christ in you, and those people, and they can do it likewise. But when you do what you do, spend $40 million on a jet, like I said, and you buy all of this stuff, and, 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 and whose expense are you doing that? You're like the United States government. You shut down, but yet you are still drawing a salary, while the people who are paying your salary are sitting out there trying to make ends meet. And you can't find me any okay. Well, the Bible says the wealth of the sinner, and they are wealthy. They're billionaires. Bill Gates alone is worth over fifty billion. Quote the the whole wealth scripture. of the sinner, the wealth of the sinner, is laid up for the just. We are the just. So what are you talking the about? The whole scripture. The end of the scripture is for the end time. And the purpose is to take the gospel and dispense it, the gospel of the kingdom, throughout the world. It is not the Lord that wealth upon yourself. How are you going to be sitting around ministering to people in the ghetto, in the hood, and you driving through in your five or $600,000 car that costs more than, all, than 10 of your constituents' homes, and yet you're saying that you're called to serve them? Something's wrong with that person. Okay. Okay. All right, let's flip the script. Y'all heard that? Now, I was playing Devil's Advocate in some of those things I shared. I didn't get a chance to share all of the lies, I believe, but there was a few of them. Now, notice I did use scriptures, but a lot of those scriptures are taken out of context. Now, we're going to flip the script. This brother is going to come at me as though he have a problem with the with uh, He is a pro the prosperity, the fake prosperity, because the Father is about prospering. Let's get this straight. The Father is about prospering. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth on the behalf of him whose heart is perfect. One more time. The Bible says that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth on the behalf of him whose heart is perfect. The Father wants to see his glory. 
He is a show-off type of God. I know that sounds crazy, but he really does. Look, just look around you. It's all about show and tell. The Father wants the glory. The Father wants the glory. He don't want us necessarily to hoard up all of the glory, but he wants the glory. So I do believe that he is going to have his Solomon. But how many Solomons were there in that case? How many people does the Father trust with the kind of wealth that Solomon had? But it goes to show you a lot of people don't have the heart of Solomon to get the wealth of Solomon. So I do believe, though, if, if you look, there wasn't a whole lot of Solomons and Abrahams with all this wealth. Yes, I know that we know about them in the scriptures, and the scriptures, they get a lot of time in the scriptures because the fathers displaying them. But there was millions of people back in that time, and you only know a handful like Solomon, Abraham, Lot, these folks was wealthy. What I want to share tonight is to show you games, tricks, and we're going to get a little bit, we're going to start leaning over into the next topic, and that is doctrines, literary church doctrine. I know some of y'all waiting on this one. I know for a fact some of y'all personally is waiting on this one. When we talk about doctrines that you're going to hear this Sunday, you might have heard it Wednesday night at your church that have absolutely positive and none of those scriptures. There's very few scriptures on how to pastor. There's very few scriptures on telling us how we're to behave in church settings. A lot of this stuff is man-made, and it's controlling, and it's all about giving glory to man. So we're going to get into that. We're leaning off the text a little bit. Just stay with us, okay? But, uh, brother, I want you to come at me. I'm the one that believes in uh, a more conservative, uh, spending money-wise. You are uh, one of the the fake prosperity teachers, okay, the fake prosperity message. I want you to come with the what, you, what the father brought you out of, okay? You know, brother Seth, as you said on this show, it's about being raw and being real. And I'm gonna be really honest with you. It's hard for me to even fake like that anymore. I mean, literally, it's hard for me to even try to just give you a hypothetical in order for you to get the picture because I am so sickened by that that it's literally hard for me to even contemplate trying to go down that road and be one of them. Because I am so diametrically opposed to probably 85% of the motivation behind the prosperity doctrine. I have no problem with prosperity, like you just said, but I have a problem with the motivation behind why a lot of people teach and preach the prosperity doctrine. For one reason, the constituents, for the most part, very seldom ever benefit in the prosperity that the preachers discuss from their pulpits. But yet the preachers are benefiting major, big time from the prosperity doctrine. And I have a problem okay. with playing the uh, for the okay. one last thing, one last thing because this, this is the reason why. It's real simple. I guess you could do it because literally, but if I do it, it's going to be difficult because, see, I really believe in wealth and prosperity for the purpose of the furtherment of the gospel, and I believe that when the Most High hires you as a servant, he is not McDonald's. He doesn't have a McDonald's benefit package. And it's real simple. You're talking to a person literally, for the most part, if you come and talk with me, if you go on my Facebook page and, and look at pictures, you're going to see cars that cost half a million dollars. Do I endeavor to have one one day? Absolutely. But I'm not going to have a $500,000 car at the cost of pastoring the church of people who live in the ghetto who can barely make ends meet, and I'm sitting around, as you said one time, riding around in my $500,000 car. Here's some of Brother Seth when we were talking about being real. One time me and Brother Seth was getting ready to go to a speaking engagement. We were running late. 
This guy pulls in front of us and escalates. We're in over the Rhine, Cincinnati, Ohio, which is kind of an odd place because literally you got right there where you have the ghetto, and then you can take a block, take another block, and you've got, you know, I mean, literally, as I can say, you've got the uh, a urban renewal that's going on where you have some of the nicest places in the city to live. But one day we were going to go through this this teaching engagement, and while we were there, we were late, and this cop pulled us in front of us in an escalator. Well, the dude was slousing. He was taking his time. He was holding up traffic, and Seth said something that he just floored me. He said, "Negro, take your Escalade out there where everybody got to Escalade, Escalade, and they're not impressed by it because you're holding us up." And I thought about that. That was very real to me because most people who drive those kind of cars in the ghetto community or in a working class community. It's all about the exaltation of self. You said that the most high does and he does things big, but he does it that he may get glory. He does not share his glory with others. He does it that he may be glorified, that he may be exalted. If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men. Not if the Clarence McClendon and the Noel Jones and the houses that they live in and the cars they drive, and that was the problem with the show, because I watched that show for an hour, and I think I probably heard one time, and actually I'm giving them, I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt because I can't recall them saying this, one time where somebody said, thank the Most High. Praise God for this. Thank God that God did this. I never heard that. It was all about themselves, what they were doing, what they were called to do, and it was just really flamboyant lifestyle. I have no problem with wealth, again, but they're doing it expensive going on the backs of people. Some people are just very well entrepreneurs, and they can make wealth. But like you said, Brother Seth, at the beginning, you said that everybody is called after me. No, the devil is a lie. Everybody is not called to live like that. Because for the most well, part, most people who want to live like that don't have the maturity to live like that and still live in the kingdom and do that which you're called to do to give glory to the Most High and serve the body. Well, let me, let's do this. What we're going to do, we're not just going to talk about prosperity, y'all. We're going to talk about some other lies. We're going to talk about some other deceptions. We're going to talk about other ways people are controlled uh, throughout the church. We're going to talk about pastoring. We're going to talk about uh, um, why there's this almost conspiracy to not talk about this whole movement of millions of people with regards to who are the real Jews. Because... It's so important, and I keep going back to that, but, folks, you can't understand end-time prophecy and what's to happen in the latter days unless you understand who Israel is. Israel is like a time clock, simple and plain. Israel is like a time clock. You've got to know who they are, where they are, what's the Father doing with these Israelites that's been scattered to understand what's happening with the new world order and what's happening with the church and what's happening, and, and I mean, with the return of the Messiah. Uh, a lot is hanging on Israel, Israel. Israel, Israel. So if you're watching some people from Europe that have that went into the land with the help of Great Britain and the United States forced that into being, and it's never been settled since. If you're trusting that, the Bible got to be very confusing to you. So what we're going to do, we're going to take a step back in a little bit, and we're going to talk about that. But right now we're hitting heavy and hard this whole prosperity doctrine. I'm going to continue to talk about lies and and I'm going to let this brother continue to exploit uh, or, or share the truth. Again, I'm going to play the devil's advocate and talk about some of the common held beliefs of a lot of pastors. 
and they probably mean well. They may be just deceived. Some of them know better. Some of them just, just plain old deceived, ignorant. They, some of them don't know. Some of them don't know. Some of them don't know. They're just following the trend. Others do know. Others know a little bit, half deceived. Okay? So we're going to talk about that a little bit longer, and then we're going to hit some other. I'm telling you all, listen to me, folks. Do not blink because we're going to talk about some other things. We're going to talk about healing and miracles, how people can get shown enough healed. Show enough heal by the Most High, and the people that pray for them don't have enough spirituality than a quarter. How can that happen? You cannot miss this, so stay tuned. I'm just kind of giving you all overflow of what's about to happen in the in the next hour, you know. So I'm just letting you all know that we are going to switch different gears. So what's maybe important to you now, you just hang 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 around, and there's going to be other things coming at you as well. So, brother, with regards to this message, I want to say this to people. This is what helped me understand prosperity. First of all, anybody that come against the prosperity of the church is a fool. Anybody that come against the prosperity of God's people is a fool. That is not what we're doing. We're not doing it at all. The church needs that those resources. The Bible says the wealth of the just, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just, and we're looking for that to happen, and it is happening. There's a lot of churches that are not squandering money. There's a lot of pastors that's not being jetted in now. There's a lot of pastors that's not being limousine in and limousine out. There's a lot of pastors that are building their storehouses, and they are feeding their people and feeding their community. And a shout-out goes out to those people, and I hope and pray that I will always be a part of that uh, in some way. So I want to encourage all of the ministers, laymen, followers, anybody connected to the solution, praise the Most High, continue to do that. But there are so many people that believe these lies we're talking about tonight. We only talked about maybe, I might have threw out about maybe seven or eight lies, Brother Gary, I mean Brother Elishua, there I go, uh, Brother Elishua. I'm still not used to his new name, folks, but this brother has thrown out some lies that the church holds dear as well. But before we're done, my goal is for us to put out on the table tonight. Now, I want you to listen to this, Brother Elishu. I want you to hear this. I want us, if it's possible, to put as much lies and deception that we've been delivered from. Because you're only as good as your testimony. That's all we really have is what the Father has done for us. I want us to put out as much deception and lies and tricks that we've experienced in our own life as possible to be faithful and good watchmen of Zion tonight. Again, we are watching the Zion. That's the, that's our, we're on the fort. You know, and back in the old days, they had these tall forts, uh, fortresses, and they had watchmen, and they were to look out for the enemy. And when they would see the enemy coming, they were supposed to sound the alarm, and then the mighty men would get ready to fight and to defend their fort. That's all we're doing tonight. We're, we're posing as watchmen, and we're using our personal experiences and things we've been through, the pains we've been through, the, how the enemy have overcome us to stand out on the fort and yell to, to uh, our people 
and that's anybody that follows the Most High, especially tonight, the African-American, we're saying to you, this is not right, this is deception, this is a lie, this is a trick, this is deception. So having said that, I want to share a major deception, one that tripped me up big time, and that is this business of uh, you, you, you pay your tithe and you haven't given a dime. You can give an offering, but if you ain't gave your tithe, you haven't given a dime. Now, Brother Ellie Shua, I want you to comment on that first, and then I like to comment on it. Again, well, the teaching is you haven't given a dime until you give your tithe first. So that's a 10%. So if you make $1,000, you owe the church $100. Now, after you pay that $100, now you're able to give an offering and to receive the blessings of the Father. But until you do that, you, you're not giving anything. You're a robber because the book of Malachi said, the whole, you know, you, you robbed me. And, they, and pastors use that to actually get money out of people. They get the 10% and they want to get more. And while you're on that, talk about the mandatory tithing. There are some churches that you're not a member unless you are a mandatory tither. That means... You have to tithe before you get married. You have to tithe before they bury you. You can go to their church all you want, but you're not a registered member. A member affords you the right to be buried, to be married, and to do other functions in the church. Okay? So you, you have to. You, it's mandatory that you tithe and you have to give the church your 1040. Some of y'all probably looking at the phone like, what? But others of you are saying, yeah, that's what my pastor told me yesterday. <laughs> So, brother, go ahead and comment on that, please. Well, I think that um, when we deal with that in regards to this mandatory tithing thing, and let me say this at the onset, that before we end this segment, I would like to address why these people do this, because it's very significant that we understand why we why these ministers are subject to this type of exploitation and teaching erroneous doctrines because the scripture says, as one of the old sayings says, except for the grace of the Most High, there go I. And if many of us who are on this phone, if we think that we are somehow exempt from being susceptible to such deception, then I would tell you right now, you probably already got your foot leaning towards deception, because the moment you think that you are above that, then literally you have fooled yourself. Now, there are churches that exist in this nation that literally yes, as Brother said, that you haven't given a dime until you give your tithe. And then anything that you give is above and beyond the tithe. That is what they call the free will offering. Now, of course, it's just been a tradition among conventional churches for hundreds of years. And they do it for a good reason, but yet their method is an error. They do it because they understand that in order to carry on the functions and the, the, the expenses of a church or ministry, it takes money, specifically if you're dealing with a church. And so they feel like that if they have a promise tied from the constituency, then that's going to cover the overhead. That was the initial reason. But there are churches, one church in Atlanta I know, where literally this man re- requires that when you become a member of that church, you sign a contract. And when you sign that contract, that contract clearly stipulates that you are required to pay your tithes. If you do not pay tithes to this church, 
then you should not ex- you should not be looking forward or expect to be benefit from any of the services that the church provides. Now, when we look at the biblical aspect of that, we know that the tithe issue, that Israel was commanded to pay the tithe to the Levitical priesthood because when they entered into the promised land, land was dispersed among the 12 tribes of Israel. The Levitical tribe was the only tribe that not get that did not get awarded any land. And, because, and so, therefore, the tithe really is their portion. And the tithe, for the number one purpose, was first for the maintenance and, the, and for them to carry out the function of the temple. Secondly, it was for widows, for orphans, and that was the purpose for the tithe. Of course, that's not what they do for it now today. They have a maraud of reasons of things that they do with the tithe. So that's where... And, it, and, and literally, when it comes to ministers, the reason why they're so subject and subject to, susceptible to that type of exploitation is simply because of a lack of faith. They don't believe the Most High to carry or to provide the resources that it takes to carry on the ministry. Now, that's what I would say to some of these storefront preachers, storefront ministries, and trying to make it from one man to another. And some of these people literally should not be in ministry because they're doing a lot of things to take up on themselves. But when you deal with these larger churches, you have to understand that for the, the reason why come they are so demanded about the tithe is because the fact is that they're in a large church is a result of greed. Because in America, we have this thing that we believe as one of our value culture tenets that bigger is always better. So therefore, you would take millions of dollars and build a 10,000-seat sanctuary, and then three years later, you can't fill that sanctuary. So what do you do in order to continue to cover the overhead of that probably uh, maybe somewhere in the terms of a hundred, sometimes a hundred thousand dollar mortgage that you have to pay? Then what you do is you require that from your people, but you have no biblical precedent to enforce it. In other words, you cannot compel a constituent to pay tithes based upon the scripture, because if you understand, the only other inference of tithes is not that is not consistent with the law that the Most High gave to Israel through Moses. The only other incidents that we have is when Abraham, who had went to battle, who had become victorious and had spoils, and he paid the tithes to Melchizedek. But this is the most significant aspect about that that needs to be considered. Abraham did that voluntarily. He was okay. Now listen, I, I, I want us to just, just, just to kind of, uh, just re, uh, let me go here just for a second, folks. I, I, I hope. Let me just ask you a pointed question. Versus, I, I won't even give my take for time's sake because I want to cover some other topics, some other deceptions, some other lies that's that's all throughout the church. Okay. Are you saying tithing does not put it in? I'm not sharing my opinion, folks, at this time. I'm just, just interviewing my brother, Brother Ellie Shure. Are you saying tithing is not for today? Uh, no, I would, not say, I would not say tithing is not for today, but the tithing system in which was given to the Israelites was a tithing system based upon whatever particular thing that they provide. That means that if you were a former uh, then that means that you gave a tenth of whatever your harvest was at, at that particular time. If you were a, a person that deal with livestock, then that means that you gave a tenth of what a, a, that was. But we don't have time. livestock. We don't have farms. So what are you saying? Again, again, 
within that system, it, within that system, because see, this this is the fallacy when you discuss that issue. The fallacy among many believers when they deal with the issue of how the tribes operated through Israel, the first thing they said that the reason why they did that was because there was no currency. Well, that's a lie. You cannot prove that there was no currency existed and that there was no form of currency that was used for a form of exchange between commodities and goods and commerce. You cannot, a person has to really show that to me in Scripture. But, the thing, but, but I would say this, that if you were paying tithes and if you had to bring an offering like on a feast, and if you had to bring it to the temple, literally, in Jerusalem, and let's say you stay somewhere or you live somewhere within the Mediterranean region, then that means that instead of trying to, instead of trying to um, transport those goods, then guess what? There was an exception made to trade those goods in for money. And then literally at the time in which you got the temple, guess what? That money was used to purchase the, the purchase animals for sacrifice or what have you. So it really wasn't always an exchange of money. But, again, I go back to this point. When you talk about the issues that is it okay to, to, to require tithes for today, well, let's deal with Abraham. Abraham did not give tithes to, to, to the priest of Melchizedek under a compulsory motivation. He was not compelled to do it. He was not commanded to do it. He did it voluntarily as an expression to his appreciation to the Most High for the deliverance of him and those who fought with him. So he did it out of a form of appreciation. Okay, so I would say this, that if you are a pastor of a church, that being considered, you do not have a biblical leg, a biblical right to stand in your pulpit and say, I require tithes, because you don't have biblical precedence for it. But you can say this, that, that literally it costs money to run this ministry, and we, will, and we accept any offers that you give. If you so choose, to say you want to give a 10% of your portions of your earnings to this ministry, if you feel compelled of the Holy Spirit, feel compelled of the Most High to do that, then you're free and welcome to do it. But I, as a pastor, cannot command and demand that you do it based upon a, any type of spiritual imperative because it does not exist. And I, we're gonna, I'm going to mention another, another thing. I'm going to move on to some other. But as you see, folks, um, we can go there and go deeper and deeper. Trust me, we ain't even touched the surface yet. Real quick, remember Paul said to get let every man give as he's been prospered. Let every man give as he's been prospered. And second of all, remember when Christ was talking, and I and y'all have to. I'm trying to literally my computer acting a fool. I think I just it does this. I'm telling you, I'm beginning to think it's a never mind. But I'm having my computer. I wanted to give the scriptural. Um, this is a very good tool, and you can just Google it. But it's not working right at this time. But anyway, uh, Christ was speaking to someone about tithing, and I remember him saying, "You do this, you do that, and not leave the other undone." You know, Tim, brother. Yes, remember when yes, he was yes. talking about tithing, and he said, "Don't leave the other undone." I just can't yes. find that scripture. If you can find that for me, I'd appreciate it. But uh, we believe, I believe, and I believe in tithing. Okay, I do believe in giving offering and tithe, but I don't think that nobody can say that you haven't given anything until you give your tithing. And I don't believe in paying tithing like you owe it or something like like it's a debt, because if that's the case, you'll never catch up and get current. Because a lot of people hadn't paid for thousands of years, seem like, 
and it is impossible for you to catch it up like that. If it was a, it, it, that's what the law was about, obligation, and and and, and uh, I don't think the father looked at it like that. I think it's a thing that can be forgiven for if we don't give properly, like anything else. But I do like what Paul said. Apostle Paul said when he said, "Let every man give as he has been prospered." Okay, let every man give as he has been prospered. Uh, we'll hit this a little bit longer and harder later, but I think a lot of folks already got wind of this, and they are better off. I think a lot of folks have woke up to this this deception in this area. To tell you the truth, brother. I want to talk about something a little bit more stronger of a deception. Let me read the scripture that you were just asking about. It says, Matthew 23, 23. Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithes of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weighted matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought you have to have done and not leave the other undone. And just simply to put it at the add to this, it's real simple. Context means everything. Who is he talking to? What was taking place at the time? He was talking to Israel. But where was he at? In Jerusalem, in Judea. What was existing at the time when he was saying this? There was a temple there. That means that that temple service was going on. So that means that literally within the, within, the, within the Levitical priesthood and within the Mosaic law, people call it the Mosaic law because it's associated with Moses, but we know it's Jehovah's law, that then guess what? All of the apparatus was there in place in order for them to fulfill the requirement, the law's requirement of paying tithe. So, again, let's keep it in context. But now guess what? There is no temple. And for the most part, Israelites do not live in Jerusalem because we've been forbidden for doing so. That's part of our punishment for our rebellion. We were kicked out, exiled, expelled from the land, and we will not be allowed to as a group of people until the Mashiach, to the Messiah, returns. So, again, it's all about context. So that scripture there does not change the scenery, does not change it anyone whatsoever. The scripture you quoted from, Mark, from Paul carries a lot of weight and is something to be considered. Every man should give if and he has been prospered. That principle, that principle comes from the tithe. Yes, and that's that is, 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 there are many aspects of the law that we cannot keep because we're not in the land and we don't have a temple. But the spirit and the principles which the Messiah, which Messiah taught, still exists. And the scriptures that I was referring to is First Corinthians 16 and 2, where it says, Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him that there be no gathering when I come. Again, he says, upon the first day of the week. So he's telling you when to put your money aside. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. So I think a lot of people have taken this whole, and what's crazy about the, the Malachi, and that's the only thing they want to take out of Malachi. They'll tell you the whole Old Testament is is, is not even in play anymore, or that, but that's not the way they'll say. It. They will say that we're no longer under the law. So, but they want to quote Malachi. So I say, if you're gonna quote Malachi, quote Deuteronomy 28 and quote the whole Bible. And um, anyway, that's about time. But I want to get on something a little bit more stronger, on the more accepted, something that gets people by the 
and that is miracles. And I want to share on this real quick, and then I want to go to some other topics, and we're just going to go back and forth, back and forth. All right, now, the goal is, again, have their hand up for question. watch. I'm sorry. Does anyone have their hand up for a question? I've been looking, and if they said, I'm going to be honest, I didn't look for a while there. Hopefully they didn't put it up put it down. But so far, again, anybody with a question or comment, please raise your hand. Even if you go on and say, brothers, y'all doing a good job. There are people in the chat room, for sure, lots. And there are people on the phone lines. The phone lines, both in the chat room, have the individuals. So I want to just go ahead and share this again. Don't be shy. I'll just press one and we'll see you. Um, I want to say this. And I don't call out names. When I do, but if you're on the phone line and you don't want your name, just give, just say I'll be brother. You can you can give us any name you want, a radio name. You're not lying. It's just that's your radio name. You don't want your your full name or who you are identified. That's totally totally fine. Okay. And some of y'all got some weird numbers, long numbers like 25 numbers to try to stay incognito. I see you, and you can do that if you want to punch in star 69 for your dial block talk. You can do that, and then they'll say unknown. We don't have to. You can stay incognito, not a problem, okay? But anyway, a lot of times people don't understand when they see miracles on TV. They feel like these people must know the Father because look at these people getting up out of wheelchairs. Can heal. Let me tell you a good rule of thumb to spot a false prophet. I'm telling you, if you don't have the Holy Spirit and you're not listening to the Holy Spirit, this would be a good thing. And I have to say it because a lot of people don't need to know nothing about the Holy Spirit. I have to say that. I know y'all saying, well, how are you meaning giving them another way to find truth other than the Holy Spirit? But everybody don't, everybody don't ascribe to the Bible and the Holy Spirit. But they do see these miracles on TV, and it does compel them to send money in. And mainly, mainly uh, a lot of times, for these particular preachers I'm talking about, the fake ones, that's what it's all about. If you see a whole bunch of black people in the audience, and you don't see other ethnic groups, especially white people, I'm not trying to say white people is the, is the standard, but I'm just saying everybody want to know God. Everybody want to know the Father. Everybody want to know Yahweh or whatever you call the Most High. Everybody want to know Yahweh or Yah. Everybody want to know the Father through the Son. Everybody. And if you think Christ can show up and ain't nobody going to be there but black folks, you're crazy. There are a lot of people of various ethnic groups all over the world want to know who the Father is. I would say every single person on the planet does. So if there's a real move of the Father and people really is getting up out of wheelchairs and really is getting healed, it ain't going to be just some old inner city poverty, uh, low-income type of people there. That's a good rule of thumb because other people educated, I'm, I'm talking about spiritually educated, can see through deception and lies and they can see on the TV whether or not they want to go. That's a good rule of thumb, I'm telling you. Now, I grew up in a church where people would do things to get you to believe. And your belief, because it's genuine and pure, the most high have to honor faith. Like Christ told a woman that touched his hem of his garment. He said, thy faith have made you whole. It is possible that faith can make you whole. 
So you can see people that may have fake healings in the service. Fake people giving up out of wheelchairs. Fake people hearing for the first time. Fake people saying God did this phony testimony. Wired like this one gentleman, and I don't mind calling out his name because he got busted in public, so it's public knowledge. How W.D. Grant was invaded by the FBI, and he had his staff out in the parking lot asking people questions. And his staff was dressed and acting as though they was going to the meeting. So when he called people out and say, before I say anything to you, have anybody, have I or anybody of my staff said anything to you? And then people say, no, no. Have I talked to you any time? No. And he he start telling what he's saying. The father is saying to him, calling out their name and their kid's name. Well, they had just gave that information to another congregant they thought, which was nothing more than one of his staff undercover. Little did he know one day that the FBI would flood that place with lots of FBI agents posing as members. And um, they was taking note and listening to conversations, and, you know, they had high technology too. So it was high technology versus high technology because W.B. Grant had this little mic in his ear, but the FBI had stuff like that too. And they was listening to all these conversations, and he got busted. That, my friend, is a fact. Are you there? Yes. Okay, all right, I thought my phone died on me because I know I, I, it does that sometimes. And by the way, folks, if we get disconnected, I got a little clip I'm going to play, and it'll say something like, we've been disconnected, stay tuned. So I just have to say that to you. But anyway, when this guy got busted, W.V. Grant was one of those persons that had so many miracles going on that it got a lot of these people that was not educated because, again, they play on people that are not educated and they really need money and in financial debt. This is who these fake, phony prophets play on. Now, I don't know if you have a relationship with the father. Now, I'm just talking about what happened before. Anyway, he got busted by the FBI, but they couldn't, it couldn't stick. So they went and found something that would stick, and that was tax evasion because he was messing up on his taxes, and they sent him to prison. He went to prison, and he sold his church to the potter's house, and that's how Bishop Jakes got the first potter's house, and then after that, he built a facility that he's in today. Did y'all know that? There's a little church history for you. Now, what happened at W.V. Grant happens every city all over America. It's just that they're not busting the FBI. don't want to spend money to get them. But the FBI tapped these people's lines and know how they are, know their spending habits. He know exactly what every one of these preachers is doing in the hotel and nobody around. They know. They can find stuff like that out. I, on the other hand, found it out through the Holy Spirit just by listening to the Holy Spirit. I'm being honest with you. There are a lot of people that can cause you to believe by fake, phony stuff. You actually believe that they're a man of God or the Father. And when they lay hands on you, you're going to feel all the cheer bumps and all the emotions that come with it. And, yes, you will believe God for your healing. And God has to honor that faith, and you really wind up getting healed. Then they take your real testimony and put it on an infomercial, and there you are crying and talking about how God healed you. You may even have a doctor's note. 
all the time, the people that's behind the scene can be doing all kind of weird, weird, and I can go there and tell you some stuff, weird, crazy, immoral things. So Christ said, you will know my disciples by their love. We're not supposed to be inspecting miracles. Miracles is not even a fruit. I don't even think. Well, I guess you can't could look at some fruit because Christ just said, you believe me for the very miracles. But it's not what we're supposed to look to only. We are supposed to look at those that walk in love. So do not be deceived by miracles, folks calling you out, calling your name. There are some people, watch this, and Brother LSU, jump in whenever you want. Yeah? Yes, yes. I'm Are you there? Okay, I've got to keep yes. asking. I want to make sure my phone line don't drop. I have no way of checking. But there are some people. Check this out. This is crazy. Don't y'all listen to me. This is crazy. There are some people. This is a harder level of deception. And that was deception when brother, brother, brother talked about we're going even deeper. And this is even another level of deception. There are some people, unlike W.V. Grant of Dallas, who was busted by the FBI, there are people that really do have a gift, they really do see in the spiritual realm. It's a gift that some, the Father just allowed them to have. It's something they born with. It's not even one, well, it's a gift. It's something that operates in them. And they still cannot have character at times. But that gift can kick in, and they can start to tell you things, what you've been through. They can understand dreams, and they will blow your mind, blow your mind. You will be no good. They will tell you things that only God, you, and them know. There's people. Saul, who went to a, a, a woman that had a familiar spirit, and that woman spoke to Saul that was dead, and and, 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 and uh, a lot of y'all don't know the story. I, I don't want to get too deep into it, but let me just tell you where Saul had died. I mean, excuse me, um, not Saul. Let me out, brother. Uh, Saul was inquiring about what Samuel had died. Saul was trying to find out whether or not Israel was going to win this war. He was fighting against David, and he had put out all of the people with familiar spirits. He put them all out of the land. He did it himself. But then he needed some help because the father wouldn't, wouldn't talk to him. The, 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 the priest wouldn't talk to Saul. Nobody would talk to Saul. He couldn't get an answer from the Most High. So he went back on his word and went and found. He said, go find me somebody that, had, that operated in this gift. And they went and found the very thing he had banned from the land. And, brother, if you can find it, I appreciate it, because I, I can type too. But anyway, Saul found this woman that literally spoke to, to Samuel while he was dead. And the first thing Samuel said is, why have you disquieted me? This woman living on the planet spoke with Samuel, and he said, "When uh, and I'm not telling you all the story take all day, but in the, make the long story short, this woman living spoke to the dead. 
she spoke to Samuel, and he said, why have you disquieted me? Why did you bring me up back into the land of the living? And he said, if God had forsaken you, why are you calling on me? If the Father is not answering you to the prophets on earth, why would you come and talk to me? Y'all listen to what I'm saying. So this woman speaking to Saul that had passed, Saul, I mean, Samuel says, and I'm trying to type this while I'm a little, well, let me just do this real quick because I'm trying to type and talk and I'm getting. But, one of the things that uh, you're doing is one of the things that, that people may, that some may need to understand, many probably already do, and that's the issue of what exactly is a familiar spirit. Because literally a lot of these people, these so-called prophets and stuff who basically tell you your history, tell you things about yourself, and then at the same time when they're doing it, they're about to hit you with that dollar amount for the prophecy that they're going to give you. These people, but then some that do don't even have, they do not ask for a dollar amount. It's just really they operate in familiar spirits, and some of these people don't even know they're operating in familiar spirits. And a familiar spirit is simply this. A familiar spirit is a demon spirit that has observed you, has watched your behavior, it knows what your proclivities are, it knows how you act under stress, it knows the things that you resort to when you're under stress, you know, those sinful things or what have you. And so literally what that spirit does is communicates with other spirits because you have to understand, the Mashiach said it himself, the Messiah says himself when they asked him about casting out a demon, and they said well, you, they, they accused him of doing it in the name of Satan or the name of Belzebub. And he clearly said, he said if Satan is divided against himself, he can't stand. So literally there is an order within the dark world among dark, uh, among dark spirits, specifically demons, and these people have a form of communication, and there are demons that literally watch your activity. They watch what your proclivities are. They see your weaknesses. And so when you step before one of these people who are supposed to be a supposed prophet, and they start telling you your history, then guess what? As a matter of fact, the first time they start telling you that, because this is the issue. Now, when the Most High does that to an individual, it is to, it is to heighten your faith so that you may have a form of receptibility to the truth. But when false prophets do it, they do it for the same reason, but the problem is is that they're speaking by a demonic spirit, and they're about to tell you something or say something that for the most part, for the non-time, it's real general. But the question is this, why do you have to read me all of my mail in order to give me a prophetic word? So that should be one of your major concerns. So instead of being so overwhelmed and impressed by the prophet because he told you your address, told you your middle name, the first thing you should ask him is, why are you telling me that? I know that. Supposedly you know that. Why okay. are you telling me that? Okay. Now, I found this word set, folks. It is in the book of Samuel, First Samuel 28. I'm going to read this real quick because this right here will blow you away. I, I, every time I read this, it does something to me now. David, Saul, is trying to get a, find out an answer from the Father. He can't do it. He can't do it. Now, if 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 what he's about to do is going to give him a lie, I don't think he would do it. So I don't necessarily believe that people with these gifts are necessarily giving you wrong information. I just feel like, okay, let me, let me explain what I mean. 
people that study the stars, soothsayers, and all these people, there are folks that have a show enough gift into the future. They can see stuff because the Bible says that the Father puts signs in the stars. So everybody that reads the stars is not wrong, but the Bible did, the, the Father did command Israel that they were not that route to find out what's going on, they were supposed to come to him. But that does not mean that those wise men that followed the star to the Messiah to give him gifts, you know, when they followed Christ, they followed the star to the baby Jesus or Yeshua, that does not mean that they were phony. That star led them to Christ. Say what you want to say about people that gave the stars. Those stars led them. It wasn't the Holy Spirit. It was the stars. So there are some people with gifts. Now, what I'm talking about tonight is how people can trick you with deception. They have a gift, and they can trick you. So First Samuel 28, and I'm going to read this real quickly. Then says Saul unto his servants, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said unto him, Behold, there is a woman that hath a familiar spirit at Endor. And Saul disguised himself and put on other raiment. And he went, and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night, and he said, I pray thee, divine unto me by the familiar spirit. Once again, divine unto me by the familiar spirit, and bring me him of whom I shall name unto thee. That is weird. He said, divine unto me. Verse 9, and the woman said unto him, Behold, thou knowest what Saul had done, how he hath cut off those that have familiar spirits and wizards out of the land. Wherefore then uh, layest thou a snare for my life to cause me to die? In other words, she's saying, hey, Saul prohibited this. Even though I can do it, I'm not supposed to be practicing it. Saul said, don't do it. Verse 10, and Saul swore to her. She, you know, she was talking to Saul himself. And Saul swore to her by the Lord, saying, as the Lord liveth, there shall no punishment happen for this thing. Verse 11. Then said the woman, Whom shall I bring up unto thee? And he said, Bring me up Samuel, who is a dead, who is dead. I'm saying who is dead. Samuel is dead. Verse 12. And when the woman saw Samuel, what? And when the woman saw Samuel, but Samuel's already died. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. And the woman spake to Saul, saying, Why hast thou deceived me? For thou art Saul. How did she know that was Saul? This woman knew that that was Saul by virtue of the fact that this man was wanting her to bring Samuel up. Verse 13. And the king said unto Hope, excuse me, and the king said unto her, this is Saul, be not afraid for what sawest thou. Be not afraid for what sawest thou. And the woman said unto Saul, I saw God's, I saw God's, G-O-D-S, I saw God's ascending out of the earth. And he said unto her, 
What form is he of? This is some crazy talk. We don't know nothing about because we we're not that savvy into the spiritual realm. But obviously, Saul was. If she told me I saw God, so I'd be like, you saw what? But he already knew what form is he of, which I don't even know what that is. And she said, an old man coming up, and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel, who is dead, folks, and he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed himself. Again, he, Saul, realized this woman had contacted Samuel. He bowed himself. Verse 15, and Samuel said to Saul, while hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? And Saul answered, I am sore distressed. For the Philistine make war against me, and God has departed from me, and answereth me no more, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore I have called thee, that thou mayest make it known unto me what I shall do. And y'all can read the rest of that. But all I'm trying to say is there are people on this planet that have access. Now, some of you say, well, that woman was talking to a familiar spirit or whatever. But, oh, i got to tell you the best part. <laughs> listen, what the, listen what Samuel, the dead man, says to her. Then send okay, he says, Why have you called me up? And hold on, I got y'all got to hear this part. And then verse sixteen, then says Samuel, Wherefore then thou uh thou ask of me, seeing the Lord is departed from thee, and has become thine enemy, verse seventeen, and the Lord hath done to him hold on. Y'all bear with me, I'm trying to and the Lord hath done to him as he spake by me. For the Lord has rent the kingdom out of thine hand and given it to thy neighbor, even to David. Remember, David is fighting against Saul. Saul is looking for an answer. He wants to defeat David. Saul is with Israel. David is with the Philistines. But David is the Lord's anointed. Watch this. Verse 18. Because thou obeyest not the voice of the Lord, nor executed his fierce wrath upon the Amalekite. Therefore the Lord had done this thing unto thee. Moreover, the Lord will deliver Israel with thee into the hands of the Philistines. And tomorrow, and tomorrow shall thou and thy sons be with me. The Lord shall deliver the hosts of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. And guess what, folks? That's exactly what happened coming from a dead man. Everything that was just said is what happened to Saul. Read the stories. Very interesting reading in First Samuel 28. So all I said, all I read, all I to say is that there are people with gifts. Some people feel like that woman was inspired of Satan to say that or demons or whatever. But all I know is a familiar spirit, I don't think, really is a person speaking from an evil spirit. It can, it, this woman was speaking, I believe, from Saul. Familiar. I, don't, I just don't think the Father wants us doing that. He don't want the church doing it. He wants the church to speak by the Holy Spirit. People that are living want us communicating with the but, dead. But can you talk about this? Brother Seth, when you were when you were talking about that, the reason why I come 
that I believe Saul came under such judgment and punishment for doing that because clearly the law prohibited. And and Saul intentionally, consciously, willfully disobeyed the law. And here you are, the king of Israel, the supreme representative of the nation of Israel, a nation who was called and set aside by the Most High to be a nation of priests to the earth, to the, to the world, and here you are, the leader of that nation, and you are doing diametrically opposed to what the law has instructed you. It said that you are not to consult a divinator or a sorcerer. You're not to con- consult familiar spirits. And Paul did, I mean, Saul did just that very thing. So the punishment was imminent, imminent it was swift, and it was consistent with the scripture. I believe that for the most part that when Samuel spoke, Samuel's a dead man. He's dead, but yet he's speaking. So we know that it wasn't the physical Samuel that was speaking. It was the spirit speaking. And who has supreme authority and sovereignty over that spirit? The most high. So, again, I think that what, what's happening is because. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, brother. Bro, hold, on, hold, on, hold on, brother Gary. Let me let me do this because I don't want people to forget. It is twelve fifty eight in two minutes. Y'all probably have less than that. Y'all need to call the phone line. You're gonna get cut off on. Again, anybody in the chat room, remember with Blog Talk Radio, you're gonna get cut off in uh, two minutes. If you're listening over your computers, if you're listening over computers and you're not on the phone line, if you call the one eight hundred number or the one seven six number, phone number, you don't have to worry. I just gotta I just gotta remind you. You got ninety seconds. Ninety seconds from this. Five seconds ago. Okay, so you probably got like 60 seconds to call 760-283-0838, or you will be disconnected. You won't be able to enjoy the rest of the show. Okay, keep listening. We may go longer. I don't know how much longer, but uh, y'all definitely want to call that phone number now. Go ahead, brother. And I want to say this to those people who are leaving the line, and this is one of the things I wanted to interject early, early and I want to say this to this. Remember that, that many of the people who get into ministry, who fall or who get into error as a result of greed, deception, of other things, these are people who originally at one time had a sincere heart and desire intent to serve and love the Most High. And usually when people are susceptible to the things that we have discussed, the major reason that they become so susceptible is a thing called low self-esteem and inferiority. It's real simple. Why do you want to drive a car that everybody notices and looks at? It's because you want to be seen. You want to be acknowledged. Where does that come from? That comes from things like low self-esteem. So it's real simple. You've got a lot of these pastors, a lot of these preachers who are flawed psychologically, and then they get put in a position that affords them the adoration of people, and as a result, it literally becomes addictive. And that's where pride comes in and takes over. So I would say to everybody, literally, that's a major, major issue in the body of Christ. It's a major issue among us Israelites. All you got to do is get on Facebook and look. Anytime you're talking with a person and out of every sentence that they say or every other sentence, they use the word I, 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 or this is what I would do, or this is what I think, this is what I believe, you're dealing with an issue that has a problem with esteem has a problem with low self-esteem and insecurity, and that, for the most part, is what makes us susceptible to the exploitation and the manipulation of the enemy of the enemy through deceptive means or any other means. So I would say the remedy for that is be bathed, saturated in the love of the Most High and know that you are accepted in the Beloved, and therefore you don't have to prove anything to anybody. 
Okay. All right. Now, folks, I just want to remind everybody, um, we are still going to go over a little bit. So those of y'all that are expecting me, uh, hopefully y'all enjoying the show. I know I am. I always enjoy talking about this, even though I know some of this stuff. I mean, I know this. I still enjoy talking about it because these deceptions, and we haven't. I'm just thinking to myself, you know what, what, what my frustration is with this show? It's only one frustration I have with so far. I just don't think I'm hidden enough. There's so many things I've been delivered from. It's a whole lot of things I still need to be delivered from. I don't have it nowhere near perfect, but I'm telling you, I'm not what I used to be. I'm not what I used to believe. I have been so blessed to be around good teachers, and more than anything, the Holy Spirit uh, revealing uh, different things, uh, even from those teachers. So uh, I want to do this. I want to take a short little break. I want to take a drink. I mean a short little break, like 24 seconds, and uh, everybody just kind of think about what we said. I like to do this, if you don't mind. Everybody just kind of take a, breath, a deep breath, and then we'll be back shortly with brother, the, uh, the one and only brother, Elishua, and myself. We'll continue swinging. I will, brother, I want you to, while we take this little short little break, be thinking of some other deceptions other things. I don't want us to hit one too much. I just want people tonight to kind of get an idea of what we're going to be doing in future shows. I would like to, I hate to put a number on it because that's too man-made, physical, it's not so much spiritual, but I would like for people to be able to take notes on the show and write down several things to look for. We as watchmen are delivering truth, things we see up on that wall, so to speak, so to speak, in the spirit that what that have happened to us to warn people don't go down this road. Don't go down that road. Don't look too much at miracles. Look at love like Christ said. Don't get too much into the prosperity thing unless it's prospering for prospering for the sake of the ministry and not so much for your own personal. Because we're we are dead. The Bible says the life we live is hid in Christ. We're servants. We're servants. It's all about our master. So we'll be right back. In a short little break, again, everybody take a breather. Brother LSU will be right back uh, in myself. Just one moment, okay? Everybody just take a, uh, a little short break, and I'll be right back. Okay, I know that was a little bit ridiculous, but I had to make some adjustments on um, computer here, and that allowed you know, just time to do that. So um, still got this. I'm not hearing this like I want to. Brother, I'm going to let you talk for a minute. I'm going to have to just uh, reboot my computer. Uh, Brother Elishua, I want you to go ahead and just kind of brief. The, let's talk about this. Let's let different type of deception, okay? Are you there? Can you hear me Okay. Brother Elishua? Hello? Uh, hopefully, yeah, we didn't lose him. Um, uh, he should be there. Hold on, hold on. Let's try it again. Oh, I see. Okay, here we go. Brother, you there? Hello? Hello? Yeah, I hear you now. I hear you now. Sorry about that. I was having trouble there. But uh, I want you to go ahead and, and, and answer this question, and I'm going to reboot one of these computers while you do it. Okay, I thought that little break would do it, but it didn't. So um, 
Let me uh, ask you a question. I got so many here. Which one should we talk about? Let's handle the whole thing, the father versus the son. A lot of churches are no longer talking about the father. They don't acknowledge Yahweh or Yahweh or whatever you want to call the most high, but they talk about Jesus or the son, and they, and they pray to Jesus, and they worship Jesus, which is fine. He deserves to be worshipped. The Bible says all power has been given to him in heaven and earth. You better be worshiping Christ for sure. But the Bible talks about how that uh, all uh, uh, how that this power that the, the Son has was given him by the Father. There is a higher being, a, a a more superior mind, a spirit, a being uh, than the Son himself, who the Son talked about very, very often. Didn't do anything without acknowledging the Father. But yet, Christians today, believers today. If you can call him that, does not acknowledge the Father. Many don't. Many don't even know what you hate, what hate is. They don't know why you say Yahweh, as you say. They don't know why people say Yahweh. They don't feel comfortable saying Yahweh. So I want you to address that while I reboot my computer, if you don't mind. Well, when you read Second Corinthians ten three and four, it says this. It says that 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 um, the weapons of warfare are not cornered, but might through God through the pulling down of strongholds. And wherefore we cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against people's power. Why did I quote this scripture? Because literally for the reason why come many people do not relate to the Father, but they Christians specifically, but they deal with the Son, it's because of what you would call theological spiritual strongholds. And it comes from the doctrine that they believe. For the most part Many people who are Christians will tell you that Jesus is God, that he is the Father, but they can't articulate that. But they, can't, they have no way of articulating that. And, but, and so, therefore, when they think that they're praising and worshiping Jesus, they, for all intents and purposes, think that that's great, worshiping and praising the Father. I can't tell you how many Christians I've asked, and I said, are, do you believe that Jesus is God? And I would say, and they would say, yes, he is, he's God. I said, so you mean that he is God the Father or he's, he's, the, he's God, Son of God? Explain it to me. What do you mean? And, of course, I asked that question already knowing what the end result is because most of Christian doctrine is based upon a trinity, and literally that is a doctrine that no believer who calls themselves a Christian or otherwise can explain. I have been to what many would call school of theology and seminary. I attended a university. My my uh, major was in church ministries, uh, pastoral care. Uh, I have a lot of emphasis in theology. And I'm telling you that from the history of the Nicene Council, not the Nicene Council, actually it was the following council, and I just can't name the term right there, right now after the Nicene Council, when the issue of the Holy Spirit or the Trinity of the, or the Godhead as the scripture makes reference to in the New Testament. And none of those men and nobody present can explain to you this so-called mystery of the Godhead. Because for the reason of them are what they say, the, the, the mystery of the Trinity. And the reason why I come they can't explain to you the Trinity, because the Trinity biblically does not exist. And so what happens is that a lot of believers who are Christians have more or less been educated, informed, and indoctrinated to believe the one who is our elder brother is actually our father. And so therefore, that when you ask them, why do, you, why do you make so much reference to the son 
but you don't give any adoration, acknowledgement, or praise to the Father. They'll tell you, when I'm praising Christ, I'm doing that. No, they're not. They don't understand that. They don't, and, and, and another thing that goes too far is for them to understand if you're listening and you are a Christian and you're trying to get more clarity and understanding on this, let me tell you something. And this may blow your mind, and this may blow your mind for many of the Israelites on the line because they have, may not have researched the scriptures to this degree or this extent. You serve more than one God. Woo-hoo, I can hear the wheels turning. I can hear the, the claims of blasphemy already. Yes, you serve more than one Elohim. It's real simple. In the beginning, when it talks about the created, heaven, created the heaven and earth, and when they begin to create man, it says that what? Let us create him and our image. Well, who is us? He wasn't talking to the angels because the angels, guess what? don't have creative ability. So he wasn't talking to the angels. He was talking to his son when he said, let us. So when you talk about the Mashiach in his celestial form, not in his earthly form when he was going by the name of what you all call Jesus, or when I say Christians, I know many Israelites that refer to the Mashiach as Jesus, or you might refer to him as Yahshua, Yehoshua or Yahawashah, well, either three. And the reason why come, there's a different variations of the name, it's very simple. And the simplicity is this. And the simplicity is this, is that when you d- deal with a name that is 2,000 years of old and none of us were present to hear that name pronounced, all we can do is take the spelling and make an attempt at the greatest, at the, the best attempt at the pronunciation that we can. And that's why I come. You can talk to three different Israelites and a Christian, and they'll give you four different names for the Messiah or Christ, because Christ means the anointed one, which is exactly what Messiah means as well, and Mishiach in the Hebrew, meaning the anointed one. So, again, you're going to have these different variations of names. But, again, the reason why I come so many do not pay homage, respect, honor, praise, and do to the Father because in praising and worship, praying homage, respect, and honor to Christ, they think they are doing so. And also, when you hear the scripture that's taken out of the of it's Deuteronomy, but it's, I, it, I may be incorrect on that, but it says the Lord our God is one. Well, that word one is not a numerical designation. It literally means that is the word a chad, and it means that you're unified. That's why when Christ would say, I and the Father are one, because that's literally what it means. We have the same purpose. We have the same intent. We have the same objective and will. That means that we are one in unison. It is also the same word when you talk about Adam and Eve, and he said, for this cause shall the man leave his mother and father and should be joined into his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Again, that's not a designation of a number. It's a designation of a condition which is unified. It's the same word, a chat, because all you got to do is take that scripture itself and let your logic and your reason kick in, and when it says the two shall become one flesh, that in itself is an oxymoron because you said the two shall become one flesh. In other words, they will be unified in purpose. 
unified in focus and vision, unified in will. So again, but the irony thing about the question that you just posed, Brother Seth, is that while Christians neglect to give respect, honor, acknowledge, understanding that the Father is supreme above all, because even Christ there will come upon times where he said that he would then make himself back subject unto the Father. Okay, so the, the reason why come, again, at the same time, when we talk about Israelites, guess what? They do the opposite. They very seldom acknowledge the Son. And if you read the first, second, and third Gospel of John, it clearly says, if you don't have the Son, you don't have the Father. Well put. And I got my own spin to it, but instead of me putting my spin to it, I want to go to another deception. I want to go to another deception that we hear in the church like every day, all day, every week. And that is, I mean, there's so many. Pastors and wives' anniversary is just totally fine to honor your pastor, honor your pastor's wife. It's nothing wrong with that. It's nothing wrong with saying, I appreciate you, Pastor. But let's talk about this whole thing of a friend of mine. Well, I better not do that because they may look to the show. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I just want to get truth out. Um, A lot of these pastors are posing as, uh, you know how Paul Timothy was? It was like his son in the face. You know what I'm saying? Hello? Say it again, Brother Seth. I didn't get that. I said, you know how Paul and Timothy were, like father and son. A lot of these pastors are... Because they give spiritual food to their flock, uh, let me just, I don't even want to go there. That, this is just too much. Let me, let me just go, go to something very similar. A lot of pastors, I really have trouble with how much control they exercise over people. And, yes, they are speak, feeding them spiritual food, and that's far more important than anything the educational world can give you because we are spirits first. First and foremost with spirits, and then with all these other things. So pastors are very important to me, but a lot of these people is is calling people that are members of their church their son, and they are using this father-like uh, authority in an abusive nature. They are saying, you know, ain't what I told you, do what I tell you. I've heard this language from pastors, do what I tell you. They use the language of my people. You know, my people are going to be there on Sunday, or my people this, or my people that. And uh, a lot of folks don't have beef with it because they say, well, he is our spiritual father. He's our pastor. He's the one that give us truth. When in reality, the Bible says, ye have an unction from the Holy Spirit and needed no man to teach you. So if you have an unction from the Holy Spirit, and needed no man to teach you, why do we need pastors, Brother Elisha? Why do we need evangelists and teachers? Again, folks, the Bible says we have an unction. I want you to get your Bibles out on this one. We have an unction from the Holy One, and needed no man should teach us. Where is this at? I know a lot of y'all saying, where is it at in the Bible? Well, give me about two minutes, and I'm going to tell you. I'm looking up right now. But again, it says you have an unction, an unction from the Holy Spirit, and you need not that any man should teach you. You need not that any man should teach you. 
You need not that any man should teach it. No pastor should be your sole teacher. They can introduce a topic to you or introduce an answer to you. Then you go to the Father and you listen to that inner spirit. That's found in 1 John 2 and 20. 1 John 2 and 20 in the Bible, it says, But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things, and ye know all things. But that's not even a verse I meant to look up. I really meant to look up the one that says, it literally says you need not that any man should teach you. So, uh, again, these pastors are out of control just because they have knowledge of spiritual things in some arenas, they use that and they use their, their title of pastor to go way overboard and start advising you about things in your life. I know a lot of people, they can't go out of town without consulting with their pastor. I know a lot of people, they can't uh, uh, date a certain person without their pastor. Um, if they pastor, they don't date, they won't date. It don't mean the man ain't going to miss it either, but why it don't mean he can't miss it. It just means that this is his opinion. This is his spiritual uh, 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 opinion, and sometimes it can be wrong. We're supposed to get an answer from these people. It is okay to go to these people and say, Pastor, I'm having this trouble. Pastor, I'm thinking about moving. What do you feel the Spirit is saying? He gives you what he feels the Spirit is saying, then you go into your closet, so to speak, and you talk to the Most High, and you see what if, if what in your spirit fills with what in his spirit. But this business, if you got to check in with him before you go, you got to check in here, you got to check in there. And if you don't, they get up before the church and ridicule you like you're some uh, misguided goat or something. You're some goat within the sheep uh, camp. They feel like you're an enemy just because you're thinking. This is optimum control. This is witchcraft. It is flat out, as the Bible calls it, witchcraft. Control is as witchcraft. So I want you to comment on that, brother, because I know you got something to say on that one. Well, one of the things is, is and I have to deal with this in a very gentle manner, so to speak. I, deal, I, I walk circumspectly when I'm dealing with this issue because for the most part is that I don't like to say negative or disparaging things about a people or about an office, because I know that if it exists in the body, then the most I have a purpose for it. Um, I am a person who has had a number, a number of encounters with pastors on those lines, and those encounters were more than were more confrontations were what you might say an encounter, and that's because of and that's because of my general disposition. I'm the kind of person that I hate to be controlled, manipulated, or intimidated by anyone. If you want to get a rise out of me, give me the impression you're trying to intimidate me. I don't care how big you are. I don't care what kind of power or authority you have. If I think that you're trying to intimidate me, we're going to have a war on our hands. And so I've had a number of encounters with pastors. As a matter of fact, I almost got physical with a pastor because literally uh, he did what I would call a gangster move and basically sent six some demons, six some, I call them demons, forgive me therefore, but six some deacons on me attempt to resolve an issue rather than being the man and coming to me directly. And literally, if it were not for my wife, because I was actually in the process of going after him while we were yet in the church sanctuary. That's how serious I am about these issues, about this issue. Uh, I've had a recent encounter where, where, where pastors were have tried to operate in 
forms of manipulation, witchcraft, using familiar spirits. And it's all for the objective, as you just said, Brother Seth, to control and manipulate the, the flock and to keep the people utterly dependent upon them. And, again, what is the motivation? What, 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 what makes a person susceptible to that kind of behavior? Low self-esteem, insecurity. And that's why I come people who, who, who seek people who are always just flourishing adoration upon them. But on the flip side of it, let's keep it in context and let's see the balance. Because let's go with the scriptures and let's say, what is the pastor or a teacher or prophet, evangelist, pastor? What is their function? You know, what, what do they serve? Because, you know, you, you want to be an outlaw and just do your own thing, but then guess what? You're no better than the controlling, manipulating pastor. You're both in error. Ephesians 4 and 9. Now, he that ascended was he that built also descended into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also ascended far above all heavens that might fill all things. And he gave some. This is speaking of the Mashiach, speaking of Christ. And he gave some prophets. Some prophets some evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, this is the most significant thing of this particular this particular passage here in the fourth chapter of Ephesians, because now he's telling you the reason why. For the perfecting of the saints. If you look up that word perfecting in the Greek, it literally has the connotation of maturing. And why are you maturing the saints? So that they can do what? The work of the ministry. So that, so that in other words, a pastor is supposed to train you how to function in your particular ministry or in the function in ministry in general. And why? For the edifying, the building up of the body of Christ. How long is this supposed to take place? Until we all come into the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of Elohim, of God, unto a perfect, mature man. Perfect in the sense that you have no flaws, that you have no issues, that everything that you do is absolutely right, but it means that you come into a perfect man. It's the same thing in which Paul was talking about in the first chapter, first Corinthians chapter, when he concludes his discourse on what the King James refers to as charity, but literally it means love. How did he conclude that? When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put childish things away. Now, by the faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is what? Love. Love is an indication of your maturity. That's it. It ain't how you, it's not how much money you have. It's not what you do in life as your occupation. The indication that a person is mature is directly in proportion to the ability for them to walk in the love of the Most High. And so how do we do that? Into the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. And why was it? Now, here goes the part that's significant. And it's extremely significant because this is the part that they're neglecting in. And not only are they negligent in many pastors negligent in this area, but they're actually contributing to this problem. Ephesians 4.14, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine. By what? The slight or the cunning craftiness of men, and whereby they lie in wait to do what? To deceive you. To deceive you. There are men who are, quote, unquote, supposedly in the body of Christ, the church, among Israelites, the number objective is to deceive you. But speaking the truth in love, they grow up into him in all things which is the head in Christ from whom the whole body fitly joined together, compacted, that which is joined, every joint supplier, according to the effectual working of the measure of every part, 
make it increase of the body into the edifying of itself in love. So it's real simple. Many of them have become the, the purveyors and perpetuators of the crimes in which they are sent to prevent, which is, to, is literally specifically deceiving people and having people tossed to and fro by different winds of doctrine. And literally that becomes the issue at hand. It's real simple. Study the scriptures for yourself. You have the Holy Spirit and anointing from the Holy One that you need not that any man teach you. Now, that's very deep when I said that and what Brother Seth said that because the most thing that people are going to say, well, if I'm ignorant, I need somebody to teach me. What the scripture really means is this, is that as many as led of the Spirit of the Most High, they are the sons of the Most High. And if you're being led of the Spirit, the Spirit will speak to you and communicate to you things. Now, when he first brings it to you, you may have very limited information on that issue. But who initiated that exchange? The Holy Spirit do. So when you go to your place of fellowship and worship, and the man or woman of God, specifically in, uh, according to the law, the man of God, not saying that women are not called, but literally when that person stands to teach you the word, they should literally be, first of all, confirming what was already instilled in your spirit. And then from that point, they should be able to expand upon, to expound upon the scriptures to articulate further your understanding of that particular issue. But they are never to govern you to the point to where they dictate and control what you do. And I'm going to tell you something about pastors. Pastors have a difficult time being confronted. And whenever a pastor is being defensive, about the doctrine that he teaches or the things that he do, that it's a clear indication that you've got a control freak on your hands. Well, and, and let, me, let, me, let, let me say this. You said, because I know time is running. But I was in conversation with a pastor about the issue of sexual relations among husbands and wives. And literally the, the question that was on the table is why are certain people's disposition are predisposed with a proclivity for so-called, quote-unquote, perversion. And I said in order for us to answer that question, you must first define what perversion is from a biblical perspective and not your own idea of what you think perversion. I said because all of them were shocked to find out that it, that the word perversion or, or pervertedness or any form of it is mentioned about 11 to 12 times in Scripture, may not even be that much, but neither time is it ever associated with sexual activity. Now, when you talk about lasciviousness and fornication, that's a different thing. And when I asked the pastor that, he got offended and got and got and asked me, "Who who do I think I am to request or to ask him to give an information?" And my response was, "Is first of all, you have to understand that you are on a public social network where people have privilege to read what you're saying, and you have an obligation and a responsibility as a pastor to to be scripturally clear." <clears throat> and what you're presenting, especially when you're trying to comment and determine and dictate what people do and the privacy of their bedroom between their husband and wife. So, again. And, 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 like, I, and, like, I, and like I was saying earlier, it, it, all of this is these are sins or these are, are deceptions or lies, tricks that lead people astray. This, this, all this stuff is that we're saying, 
all the stuff you just said, I can only just let you have
but we are specifically specifically pointing this show towards the African American because of our own personal experience as so-called African-Americans, and we just see a lot of things going on in that community that is destroying this mighty people. So in the census for natural Israel, who we call Zion, at the same time it's for spiritual Israel and everybody else who we call Zion as well. Now, I hope that didn't confuse y'all, but I do mean that. We are talking to African-Americans that are the one of the lost tribes of Israel, and we're calling them to a higher walk, a higher spiritual walk, and to be true Zion from the heart. And the rest of the people of the planet can look on to all of this and learn from it as well. Deception is deception. A lot of white churches preach these same lies, practice these same deception, but some of them even on a whole other level, much higher than what we're talking about. So I want to... Uh, I want you, Brother uh, Elishua, to do some closing remarks. We've talked a lot of tonight uh, about a few things. Uh, next show, just to let everybody know, next show we won't have to do as many preliminaries because this is the first show. So the first show tonight we talked a lot about who we are and what we want to do. And next show we can get more down to the deceptions as watchmen do. We can start warning you more about the things we see, things we've seen, and we can be truer to the term watchman on the next show. Trust me, I know there's hundreds of things we can talk about with regards to deception, not just in the church, but like the show description said, deception within our culture. There's a lot of stuff young people just believing and listening to that's a flat-out lie. About the sexuality, our, our community, our, our community, our young community is just overwhelmed by gay lesbian activities, and this is this is something I'm not picking on just that one that one area, but this is strong stronghold among young people, and it's full of deceptions and lies where that whole thing starts. There's a lot of uh, deception and lies with regards to quick money. A lot of our young boys, young men, selling weed and, 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 and all types of drugs and and, and, and there's some lies and deceptions that's attached to that quick money and it ain't just that particular activity. It's also um, robbing and stealing and gangbanging and, and a whole lot of stuff these young people is involved in. And then there's the lies about the whole rap thing. You know, Satan got every young male in line to be a rapper, which is a trick. There's nothing wrong to, for, with rapping if you're talking about the right thing, but why is every single young male is seen on route, in route, and become a rapper? It's a trick. It's a trick, and it's going it's, to it's, 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 it's taking time from these young people's lives. A lot of be successful with this in thousands of dollars to running down this lane that don't exist. That's a deception, and that's among these people that we call Zion, okay? There's a lot of things going on with older black people. They give up in life and don't strive for what they really want to do, and, and there's a lot of deception. A lot of our women is, is, is battling overweight, and there's a lot of deception about that. There's a lot of deception about almost every single aspect of our life as a people, and we have to address these lies, deception, ignorance, else it will cripple the people. And that's all we're doing tonight. 
We just talked about a few, but believe me, there are hundreds of more lies, deception, and ignorance we want to address as watchmen of Zion. So having said that, Brother El Ishiel, El Ishua, one of these days I'm going to say your name smooth. Uh, I want you to have closing comments, closing comments, and, uh, well, I'll say this. Why don't you go ahead and just give a solution, a conclusion, and then I'll come behind you with something if I feel a need to. I think I said enough for tonight. And, uh, but just let the people know what just in uh, closing well, remarks about about the whole Israel thing. We didn't get a chance to hit much about the Israel thing, about why the churches is not uh And I hope nobody tuned in to hear that specific one. If they did, they may be just a little bit discouraged. Because, I mean, not discouraged, but uh, disappointed that we didn't uh, hit that a little harder about why they're not acknowledging proof of black Jews or proof of black Israelites in the churches. Why it's ignored. We didn't hit that too hard. But we did hit it some. We did hit it some. So maybe next show we'll hit that a little harder. Because tonight we talk about that all the time, folks. So just know for sure we'll definitely hit that next time. But, Brother uh, uh, Elishiel, what do you have to say in closing remarks about the preachers of L.A. and unscripted church doctrine that controls the life of millions for personal gain? Well, I, w- I will close out in saying this, and I think that to answer your question in a very synopsized way as to why come most preachers, pastors, and these conventional evangelical churches do not embrace the fact that we're Israel, well, that's actually spoken of in prophecy. It's clear that for the most part they wouldn't. But one thing I would tell you this, it's like any other thing that goes on in the churches, the motivation, why come they don't do a lot of things. Simply put, it's money. It's money. The moment I acknowledge that that the, that the people who are in my church are Israel and, they're, and, and that they're Israelites, then that means I have to embrace the whole of the doctrine. And if I break the whole of the doctrine, it's going to be very clear that much of what we do or what they do with inside these conventional churches is inconsistent with the Scripture. So that's one of the main reasons. But I want to close with this. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. And I'm going to ask you one qu- one question, Brother Seth, and I'm going to go right on in and click and hand it back over to you. In the Gospel of Matthew, when the Mashiach is speaking, the Messiah is speaking, Specifically in the the fifth chapter, uh, uh, I think that people call it the Beatitudes or whatever. Who was he addressing? Who was he talking to? Well, I think it was for everybody, but at that time he was speaking to his disciples. But I really think the Beatitudes is global. No, and that's and that's part of the. And here will you always see that we disagree on certain things. I don't believe that, and I believe that that when I look at the scripture and take it for what it is, and do not put what I call Christian pseudo theology on it, and trying to make whenever the Most High was talking to Israel, that all of a sudden now he's talking to the church, the body of Christ, because he's not. There's many instances that he's not, and this is one in particular. He is talking to Israelites. When he's making this comment on chapter verse five, Matthew chapter five, verse fourteen, as a matter of fact, the Gospel of Matthew was written specifically for Israelites. Well, when you read the Gospel of Mark and the Gospel of Luke, those gospels were written more so towards Gentiles. 
so they would have an understanding of the scripture. But Matthew was written specifically by Israelites, specifically to Israelites. And when we find this situation here in Matthew, the fifth chapter, the Mashiach is addressing the disciples and those that are gathered. Well, who are those that are gathered? The very ones he was sent to. He was sent to Israel. He was not sent to the Gentiles. He was sent to the Israel, but Israel rejected him, and that's why I come. He said, the kingdom has been taken from you and given unto another who should bear its fruits. But he was sent by the divine design of the Most High to Israel. And now he's speaking to Israel, and he says this. So while Israel is complaining, complaining on Facebook and everything else about the condition of the church and talking about how wicked the people in the world are, let me slip the script and throw the ball back at you. Ye are the light of the world, Israel. Not the church. Church wasn't even existence when he was talking this, when he said this. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and give it light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Think not that I come to destroy the law or the prophets. I come, I, I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, to heaven and earth, one jot, it says, yeah, so I say unto you, to heaven and earth pass one jot, that's one dot on an I, or one tittle, that's a cross on a T, shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. So therefore, whosoever therefore shall break one of the least of these commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven, but whosoever should do and teach them the same should be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So let's deal with the context. He is talking to Israelites. So literally when he says that you're teaching somebody to break these commandments, he's not talking to Gentiles because the law was never given to Gentiles. He's talking to Israelites. And he says if you teach men to break these commandments, you might make it into the kingdom of heaven based upon what Christ has done, we are saved through grace, by faith through grace, that of not of ourselves. It is a gift of the Most High. But he said you're going to be least in the kingdom. So literally, how do we bring light to the world? By teaching and keeping the law. Well, we can go on and on and on. I don't want to hold the people. I don't want them, you know, I don't want to hold them too much longer, my brother. Let's do this. I want to go ahead and end the show tonight, and I want to thank everybody for hanging on. People are still on the phone lines. Uh, the chat room is kind of deceptive because you can't hardly tell who's still there. Still got people in. I don't know if they're really there or not, but we got people I see um, still on the phone lines. I want to thank you all for hanging around and still listening. Uh, we have a lot more deception. You know, I hate to put a number on something, but my goal is to present about 20 lives that we hear in the church and in our communities. I don't just want it to be about the church, but things that we say every day, all day, within the African-American community that is destroying us crazy. And I'm going to tell you a big one i like to tackle next week, and that is the whole concept of being black. What in the world is being black? That is the most confusing term we have ever picked up. Now, I use it because people don't know what you're talking about. If you just say people, if you say Israel, they don't know what that means. If I say Israelites of Zion, they don't know what that means. 
So I have to say black people, African Americans, which who I believe is one of the lost tribes of Israel, and uh, you have to do a lot of explaining to folks. You have to go through all this. So versus me going there, I just say black folks or African Americans. But the truth of the matter is there's no such thing as black people. No such thing as black people or white people. Those are some concepts made up to divide us. The most I never acknowledge black being a color, a people, an entitlement because you are black, an entitlement because you're white. It was only, he only acknowledged regions like Israel, the Philistines, the Jebusites, the Amalekites. These, there was only 70 nations. To this day, there's only 70 nations. The most I don't acknowledge all these little tiny nations. You know, you get a tank and some guns, some people, some men, and you go take take a little land and call that Rwanda or something, you know, a different land. That's not, he don't acknowledge that. There's only 70 nations. And uh has nothing to do with skin color. So, I want to attack that first because if I can get people to understand that the best made up, then we won't have a hard time understanding that the Israelites were originally people of color and now are as well. So um, even though we've mixed and we lost pigmentation here and there, we still are a people of color. So anyway, folks, uh, that brother, this brother, my brother, uh, Brother L. E. Shua has spoken tonight quite a bit. He carried most of the weight tonight. Maybe next time I will. Uh, but we've tried our best to show you deception in the church. Next week, Lord willing, most high willing, we're going to try to show you even more deception. We're going to hit it and try to uh, hit it hard, quickly, and maybe give it some reference material where you can go look. My goal is to destroy all of these lies and deception that we believe. And uh, some of y'all can call in and talk about some stuff that maybe we don't even see. You know, it ain't all about us. It ain't about us. We're, we're watchmen. We're two watchmen in Zion, but there's many watchmen in Zion, watching Zion, analyzing Zion, helping Zion, even before we even thought about doing it. So you may very well be a watchman in Zion yourself and just not calling yourself that. So I want to wrap the show up tonight. Uh, brother, you have anything to say in less? Then 45 seconds. Anything? Because I want to wrap this up. Nope. Other than my general <clears throat> greeting and dismissal. Shalom. And that's Brother Elishua. Don't forget he is with Israel now. You can go to his page. And uh, please go to his page and, and listen to a lot of the old clips. And uh, uh, Brother been busy. He's been busy. He ain't been twirling his thumb, and neither have I. I mentioned it earlier. Go to Blog Talk Radio slash five under the number five slash five. If I can talk, Blog Talk Radio slash five underscore smooth underscore stones, and you will get all of the clips and the shows we've done. But I'm gonna go ahead and uh, put you on mute, and I'm gonna. uh, You have anything else before I put you on mute? No, no, I'm good. Everyone have a blessed week. And that was uh, that was my brother. This brother and I go back many many years. LSU, y'all. If you had, as a matter of fact, if y'all go to listen to some of the old shows, you will actually hear him as guest on Five Smooth Stone. I know I'm a little bit tired. Uh, I worked last night and, and then did this show, so I'm a little bit uh, tired. But I want to just tell everybody, please stay tuned into the show next week. We are going to hit even harder, more deception, more deception, more deception. Some of the things that y'all have been holding dear, 
things that young people believe, deception that young people believe, lies that young people believe, uh, lies that old people believe, deception that old people believe, ignorance that's in young people, uh, old people, uh, whites, blacks, anything that affects the so-called African-American community, we're hitting it hard and heavy. And that's going to affect not just African-Americans, lots of people, but we're targeting this specific group that we believe is Zion or one of the lost tribes. So you've been listening to Brother Seth and Brother Ellie Shure, uh, and we have uh, delivered, I think, tonight a very good show, been the first show. You know what? We didn't have a clip. We didn't have a script, I mean to say. We didn't have... Uh, everything written down. I just told his brother, we got to do this. And so he kind of just said, okay. And he actually didn't want a script. He just kind of wanted to let it flow. So this is the show kind of threw together at the last minute. And I think we did a good job. Hit a lot of old, uh, a lot of lies that some of y'all been believing for years and years and years and have no biblical proof. You're just saying and believing stuff because grandmama said it or granddaddy said it. And so hopefully this show was a help to y'all, okay? But I promise you one thing. Next week we're going to talk about some things that this whole concept of black and white, how it's a lie, it's, it, it is no such thing. And I'm going to prove how every non-white nation on this planet has white people, people that they can produce. They can produce blonde hair, blue eyes, red hair, all kind of so-called European features are everywhere. As a matter of fact, small lips, just give me a little taste of next week. As a matter of fact, even so-called small lips or narrow nose, that's not European. None of that is European. All of these characteristics, features, facial structures, skin colors, hair colors, eye colors is in Africa. Always have been. Every body structure, so-called big butts, little butts, tall, short, all types of body structures. I just probably be in trouble about saying butts, but y'all know what I'm saying. All type of body sculptures, uh, physics, uh, sizes, uh, giants, uh, midgets. Uh, that's an okay word to say, but every single physical characteristic on the planet is represented. In Africa, before it got to India, before it got to China, before it got to Japan, and definitely before it got to Europe. So none of that is European, none of it's Indian, none of it's Chinese. It's all come from the motherland. I can prove it. There are tribes, believe me, there are tribes, about a thousand in Africa, and all of them is under four feet. There are tribes where everybody's over seven feet. There are tribes where they have all types of. So we don't talk about that. Next week, the fallacy and the foolishness of a white nation, white people. What in the world is that in black people? We're all the same people. We just got different degrees of melanin. We'll talk about that next week. So thank you all for listening. And I'll leave you all song. I think we have a lot of, uh, lot of uh, a good, strong message. And this will be a nice song to go out on. Listen to the words of this song as we lead. And again, you can listen. The Watchmen of Zion. We just simply two brothers, one Bible. I and our people trying to help our people. Our people meaning the African American, but we're definitely, definitely uh, loving all people. It's been wrong to love your own family. Don't you love your family first and foremost? But don't you also care about your neighbor? That's all we're saying. Good night, and God bless you. Check this out. This is about Ty Tribute.
able to accept me solid again. Just bear with me. We'll get it going here. 